Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Drive on 101 ESPN, where it's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. If you're driving along 270 uh, northbound, like right at Gravoy, uh, you know, Brooke is here, Carrie is here. I'm Randy. Great to have you with us. Uh, How are we doing? And Matthew Rocchio back from his visit with Uncle Stan. Oh, yes. How was Stan? Yes. Oh, he was doing just great. He was in Denver. (laughs) Just great. Did you get to hang out in his condo above the ball center, the 5,000 square foot condo that he has at the top of his arena? No, and more than that, the team store is closed on uh, Sunday, and that seems really So no Joker jersey? No, unfortunately, I did find a really cool, like, store, like, a couple blocks away that had, like, a lot of good throwback stuff, and so Mm -hmm. I walked out with some awesome things, not a single one of them being Denver Nuggets memorabilia. I got, like, this Nordiques hat that's super crazy and a couple other, like, crazy throwback hats and nothing else. It's throwback jersey is the one. I know, but they didn't have any. But they, they, you got to get that. Yeah, one. They, I, I wanted. I want the powder blue one. No, no. I'm sorry. Oh, that's nice. that's, no, that's, no. that's no. you know, Carrie. That's the that's the Nuggets era where I became a basketball fan. You got to get the it's one 2005. With, the, with the mountain on it. The 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 blue one with the gold and the red. That, oh, the that's Earl the, Boykins. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not a better jersey. I'm saying I have no nostalgic, uh, emotional connection to that jersey the way I do the Iverson Carmelo. That Baby was, Blue, yeah, which yeah. is when I started watching basketball at a heavy level. Uh, well, I okay. I'm going to find that one day. I will. So how we doing otherwise? Everybody doing good? Everybody excited? <sighs> Cardinals are gro- great. Yeah. They're rolling now. I, did you guys not see that game last night? Right. Now, we don't need to talk about all the injuries. Wilson Contreras exiting the game. Steven Matz placed on the IL right before the game, and we talked about the bump yesterday. Then you had Dylan Carlson with a left oblique strain this past weekend. And then Nolan Gorman dealing with that pesky lum- lumbago injury. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's, uh, the, it's the back. Okay. Well, when, did, when did that happen, right? He thought about a week back. <laughs> no! I even <laughs> tried to... I, I literally... Have you guys heard of lumbago issues? Uh, I literally nope. got on the you Google machine last night <laughs> and I was like, give me some other words for back, lower back issues. And lumbago came up. So yeah, I was going to try to sneak one past you. Do, do When you get a bunch of injuries like this, does that concern you about maybe like the the, the workout regimen or the, the physical therapy aspect of a team? Like it, it feels like it's a lot often over and over and over. It again. feels like to me he swings so hard and there's so much torque talking about Nolan mm-hmm. Gorman that – this is the kind of, and if he's playing the field, having to, to lean over all the time, I, I would think that that would affect him. And yes, I would think that there are exercises you can do to strengthen your back and avoid these lumbago issues. Lumbago, that, yes. That he's dealing with. 
Mm. I just try. I, I tried. I tried to sneak one past you guys this morning. No, nope, not gonna happen. <laughs> no, not us. Not, not us. for Stephen Matz though, because he's been. We've talked about it. He's been fantastic, and that's a huge blow. But hopefully, something that's not going to keep him on the injured list for too long. Yeah. So anyway, I was watching. Uh, I was watching the news this morning on the television before oh, I came. Nice. And, and uh, people it, still do that. Uh, I do. I, I watch our friend Mo Drummond. Oh, I love Mo. He's yes. one of the all-time best, didn't he? He is. He so really that, is. Anyway, they said uh, that you can tune into 101 ESPN later because they'll take the traffic copter up, and sure enough. Yeah. Uh, there you go. We've got a th- three-vehicle crash on 270 northbound past Gravoy. Right lane is closed. Massive traffic traffic jam. If you can find an alternate route, do so. I was worried that our buddy Matthew Rocchio wouldn't be able to make it in because of the traffic, but uh, he, he beat that rush, and it was fine. Also, debris in, uh, in the roadway on 270 uh, southbound at uh, Interstate 4064, so the right lane is closed there. So just be careful if you're out on the highways and byways this morning and take it easy and just enjoy us here on uh, the opening drive. I'm Captain Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN Jet Copter 2. <laughs> 2. <laughs> what was that what was at that? the end? Yeah, I don't like that. The hard, hard landing. One to crash. Yeah. Just, just, just a hard landing there. So all is well. Nothing to worry about. Cardinals last night. Uh, it was an entertaining game, wasn't it? Chip Carey does a, a great job, but Tom Ackerman filled in last night for Chip Carey and did a fantastic job of bringing us Cardinal baseball on Bally Sports. And uh, the Cardinals scored early. They grabbed a one nothing lead on an RBI hit by Tommy Edmond, and then they lost their catcher, Wilson Contreras, to an injury. Oakland came back. Ruiz hit a two-run homer, but then Goldie bounced back for the Cardinals, giving the Cardinals a 3-2 lead. Ultimately, Oakland grabbed a 5-3 lead, but... By the end of the game, the Cardinals were on top, courtesy of their rookie star. In the right center, that ball is driven deep, and it is down! It's to the wall! One run scores, two score, the bases are cleared, into third base is Jordan Walker! The Cardinals take the lead 7-5! Walker with the, air quotes, triple... Because, you know, the, the right... Did you see that exit velo? Oh, yeah, 100 miles an hour. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> love, the, love the hit. Love that. It, that ball has to be caught by the right fielder. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> the only thing I took away from yesterday's game is the Oakland Athletics stink. They are terrible. So, uh, I no, saw... CD, they, no, CD. The, the Cardinals are fantastic. Terrible. I saw oh. 33 and 86, and I thought maybe it was just bad luck. I thought maybe the A's had a bunch of guys in the World Baseball Classic or something. <laughs> <laughs> the World Baseball <laughs> They lost 10 batters, Randy. You know, uh, it, yeah. they weren't even attacking the hitters. The A's just... they, they I, This is my first time watching them this year. I, I don't think yeah. I've... I, most I, people, I, yeah. yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> they are terrible. Oh my god, they are really bad. Poor Miles Michaelis. He goes six and a third, allows four runs on five hits. He walked three and struck out four, and was victimized by Gio Gallegos. And uh, victimized by Gio. Yeah. Wouldn't it be victimized? nice? It was Gio's birthday, Randy. Oh, be ha- nice. This is three second birthday. Three second. That's great. No, he was. Uh, he went two thirds of an inning. He allowed a run, but he also allowed some inherited runs to score. Uh, and uh, hey, the, the Cardinals were able to to bounce back. Yeah, he was 
Wouldn't it be nice for Ali Marmol to know which Geo Gallegos he has on a particular <laughs> night? I, I bet Ali <laughs> thinks the exact same thing. Oh, <laughs> we're, we're just knows. Yeah. Yep. Who but, are you? Uh, <laughs> who are you today? Who are you today? But uh, Chris Vonderha gets the Cardinals out of a uh, out of a jam, and then Jojo Romero keeps it rolling. He goes an inning and a third. He gets a couple of strikeouts. He gets the win, and the Cardinals win the game. Jordan Walker is becoming more and more confident with every game. Uh, a lot, man. I seem to do a big job of getting on base and everything like that. So, um, yeah, man, it's just, you know, confidence. Is, I think it's good, man. I think it's good that I fought for that bat, man. Uh, and so, yeah, they made it easy by putting the, uh, getting on base for me. That guy's going to be your face of the franchise very, very soon. He's he so cool. I was so excited just to see him at, has, in that post game. He has everything. Yeah. Like everything you want. It, it was a ball hit the right field. He got to it quickly, and he threw a rocket to second base. Like he has all of the things you want. You see the speed on the triple. You know the ability. The, the fielding part will come mm-hmm. when he gets more comfortable with that position in right field. But he is he is going to be a really good baseball player. It's just exciting, and, and we talked about even during spring training this year. You saw some people that uh, there was photos taken of people already having Walker jerseys. That mm. excitement just building around him. I I just want to know if jersey sh- sales went up last night no. after that, he's or gonna, even it, just this season in general. Be, I wonder if he's going to change his number. I know he's talking about wasn't it twenty two at one yeah, point. Yeah, he should change to twenty two. Yeah, he might change after this year, but maybe yeah. don't get the jerseys just yet. Let him go into <laughs> spring training and then decide if that's yeah. going to be his number going forward. But he is. I enjoy well, watching him play. And his comp, interestingly, as number 22, 6'5", 240 pounds, big guy from Atlanta, is Jason Hayward. Mm. Because he's got that, he's a five-tool guy. Now, hopefully he'll wind up better. I think he's already a better offensive yeah. performer than Jason Hayward. Uh, Jason Hayward got hit in the face early on, remember that? Yeah, he was just yeah. never the same, yeah. really. Uh, but can he hit? Yes. Can he hit for power? Yes. Can he run? Yes. Can he field? Yes. Can he throw? Yes. I think he's going to be... Uh, uh, just a, a force in the National yes. League. He's going to be really good for for years to come. The Cardinals will send Dakota Hudson to the mound tonight. So don't have to watch if you don't want to. The Cardinals <laughs> will win, consume. but you don't have to watch. And uh, TBD goes for Oakland. Yeah, he's going to be just as good as whoever pitched yep. last night. Sears. <laughs> yep. Yep. Felipe Perez. Yep. Like, it was, so that was, it, this is one of uh, Rock's favorites. TBD uh, is, is just a great player. Tim Von Demps. <laughs> All right, don't 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 you speak Tim's name in this studio? <laughs> Keep that name out of your mouth. How, how dare you? That guy's getting bombarded with requests this NBA season. Yeah. Uh. The, the inside joke is that uh, Tim Bontemps from ESPN gets consistent texts from Matthew to come on our show, but never does. He never even answers. I'm going to shoot him a message in his DM and say, "In fairness, hey. here's here's the, here's the thing. That one hurts, but honestly, I still think that Jay Delsing, who always responds to my text, a guy who's re- he's related to, never responding to my text, Taylor twelve. And that one hurts even more. Yeah. He also responds to Jackson Burkett. God, that smarts. That stings. Uh, I, I can what, imagine what how difficult that is. I have no idea. I guess I gave a too hot of a soccer take one day. Aww. <laughs> that happens. Uh, the Cardinals also yesterday put Steven Matz on the IL. He does not have a back injury. Uh, he's yeah. got a lat, a lat injury. A lat, which is like under your, isn't it under your arm? Yep. A lat. It kind of hurts when you pull it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh. Pobo Mo, how long is he going to be out? How long? Um, how long? You know, I always hate answering those questions because you know, things change, but I think in the immediate future, we know he's going to be shut down for a minimum of 15 days. I would imagine it's probably no throw for at least three weeks, and then we'll probably reevaluate it. I'm thinking that shut down are the two operative words there, guys. 
What yeah, do you think? I think so. I think it's better than to push it, especially as you're looking ahead to the starting rotation next season, where about the only pieces that you know about, at least before this injury, would be Steven Matz and Miles Michaelis. Right. <laughs> and now right. it's, well, you still know about Matz, but I still think you look at him as a number four. But it was notable yesterday, Brooke, and you brought this to my attention because I did not see it, that the Cardinals kind of have their offseason game plan set. Mm-hmm. So John Denton of MLB.com, he tweeted out, John Mozalock, as we as we heard there, addressing media members, just speaking on things, talking about Steven Matz and his injury, but also addressing the offseason needs. And this is a quote that John Denton of MLB.com has. Realistically, we know we have to add three starters this offseason. We know we have to add depth. We want we went into the season thinking that we would have that covered. It didn't work out that way. And then it continued on. Having a repeat of that, talking about this this past season or this past offseason, would not be in the best interest of the franchise. So I think our approach is going to be very aggressive on the pitching side. We'll see where it takes us. Hmm. So that's all the things that you want to hear, right? right? Absolutely. Right. You always, CD, you're not convinced because you, no. you always hear what you want to hear. But I, I'm about Marshawn, I'm about that action, boss. I, mm-hmm. I want to know. I want to see things happen. I don't I don't want to hear. Uh, people talk about it. I want see. I want to see things actually happen. And, and if you say you're you're looking for three starters in the offseason, well, you should you should make that happen. But don't tell me you're looking for three starters. Allegedly, go look for three starters and end up saying, ah, we couldn't get any of the guys that we tried to get. Like that. Mm-hmm. That to me feels like, yeah, you you said all of the right things, but how much effort was put into it? Actions speak much louder than yes. words, and especially after last season. They can't afford to have another offseason like last year where a lot of people took our payroll is going to go up as our payroll is going to go way up. Yes. And even though that was never said. <laughs> but it was, it was. It's, that's the thing. It, that's the thing. And even the <laughs> even the comments about Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina, uh, Molina mm-hmm. the amount of revenue that that brought in last season, that seemed right. to even get people more excited, those comments. But I, I don't know, maybe just one way to look at this as possibly a positive is that he did say last offseason, John Mosellock said that they were going to be focused on a catcher. What did they do? They got a catcher. They got a catcher. Yeah. He, he didn't lie about that. No, that he was he was very clear that that was going to yeah. be their focus the off se- this uh, that pass off season. So hopefully this off season when he's saying that they're going to get three starters He's going to mean it. Right. Hey, hey, uh, congratulations to Eli Drinkwitz and Mizzou. They get a top 10 player in the country, a five-star defensive lineman named Williams Nwery from the Kansas City area. Number one defensive lineman in the class of 24. Chose the Tigers over Tennessee. How did he not take that money? Georgia, Oregon, (laughs) and Oklahoma. He's a product of Lee's Summit and the second highest ranked recruit to ever commit to the Tigers. If he signs... Drink will have landed two of the top highest ranked prospects in program history and could now land the top two prospects in the state for the first time in the modern recruiting era. So M-I-Z. That is huge. Did you see the video of Eli Drinkwitz and the team celebrating? It was, was, uh, oh, what did you not like about it, Rock? How do tell? Because I'm not going to say it. Can can the head coach of, of the university, the highest paid public official in the state, not wear camouflage shorts? Do you with have a, a problem with camouflage shorts? They were like, they were camouflage cargo I'm sorry, shorts. you're in Columbia, Missouri. Buck the stereotype. That's all I'm going to say. He's from know. Arkansas, too. I, I'm, it's yeah, very on brand I know. for him. Just come on, my guy. You're, you're, you are the highest paid state official in the state. Here's the thing, though. Put on I don't a pair know. of pants. I don't know. Put on a nice pair of shorts. Just not, not the camo. Come he on. doesn't need to wear a yellow hoodie. 
If you're a 16-year-old football player and you see that video, what do you think of that outfit? He's a nerd. Uh, he's a nerd. He's is a that nerd. what you think of a 16-year-old? Yes, he's a nerd. So why would you commit to go there? So, uh, something's working out because that's pretty big. Casey business shows up. Oh, okay. There you go. That's what it is. I mean, let's like that's that's the, that's, what, that's what it is now. So now we're talking pay. Well, now for I'm play. looking at the outfit. I mean, uh-huh. it's bad. Okay, I mean, well, one of the things that that Mizzou has going for them is the NIL, where the players that are committed to their school from the state of Missouri can start getting paid earlier. So mm-hmm. that is a beneficial. Uh, thing that Mizzou has going for him. So if they want to continue to get these high high recruits, uh, they have that in their back pocket to help them do that going forward. I was telling CD when we were walking in because I was asking him about this new recruit coming in or, well, you got to get him signed first. But <laughs> I was like, did you see those videos of him talking? I, I noticed that a lot of the people who were at uh, his announcement that he was going to Mizzou, the question he got asked over and over again is, so you're not going to flip, are you? So you're going to stay with Mizzou. And I was like, what did you think of those comments? And what did you say, CD? Well, it's, until he signs, it's, <laughs> it's going to be asked. Until he actually signs that paper, they're going to continue to ask him because, you know, you have offers from all these other schools that are have won championships or have played in championship games. That is uh, – Generally, the reason why people want to yeah. go to those schools. It was, it was a very frequent question. Let's just yeah. say that in his uh, celebration yesterday. Also, the video. Can do you, can we talk about these videos that high school athletes have now? A lot of production value. For where they're committing. It looked yeah. like a movie. It's it's too much for me. Sometimes. Also, I, I do want to say, like, you know, we, 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 <laughs> we put into perspective, you're not going to get the money. It's not the big name. But at the same time, he is going to be next year playing with a very young defense that right now is grading yep. out as one of the best in the entire nation. That's going to help him get numbers. And the Tigers trying to restore D-line Zoo, uh, the likes of Charles Harris and Shane Ray and Marcus Golden and Coney Ely and Michael Sam and uh, Justin Smith and Alden Smith, they, Stryker Sulak, they've had so many good defensive linemen, pass rushers that have made their way to the NFL, and hopefully they'll be able to restore that tradition. Okay, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Dylan Carlson is hurt now. Tyler O'Neill is usually hurt. How should the Cardinals prepare for their outfield in 2024 and 2025? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right. Uh, we talked about Stephen Madsen last segment with the lat injury, and he'll probably be shut down. Oblique injuries are just so dicey, and that's what Dylan Carlson is dealing with now. And Dylan Carlson, for me, I don't know about you, Brooke and Carrie, has kind of reached that stage where I expect him to be hurt. I, I kind of have a, a, a Tyler O'Neill vibe about Carlson now. I think there's a ton of talent. Jim Bowden yesterday mentioned on BK and Ferrario, he said, hey, if they trade Dylan Carlson, it's going to wind up being like a Rosarena or uh, Garcia. He's got that sort of ability, and he's going to go be an all-star for somebody else. The problem is he does have all sorts of ability, but, but does he have the most important ability? Availability. <laughs> I don't see it for the last couple of years. That is that is very important. I, I wonder if there is something to – why is it that so many of the outfielders continue to deal with injuries? You that's, think? What I, that, that was, that's a question. I mean, it, it's – you wonder if it has something to do with training, if it has something to do with – the, the therapy that they're receiving, it, it, it's something is taking place and maybe it's just their bodies. I I don't have a an answer for that because, you know, you train your body to be able to play an entire season. That's what the offseason is for. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what the preseason is for, to prepare yourself for the rigors of an everyday 
every other day, you know, style of play and be able to do that. And right now, Dylan Carlson hasn't been able to get on the field consistently because he's he's hurt. Tyler O'Neill, we see the talent that he has, but he's always hurt. Um, Newt has missed some time because of injury. You, mm-hmm. you, you just, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's bad luck, if it's just – it's just their bodies failing them to a degree, but it, it's it's unfortunate because Dylan Carlson could potentially be the starting center fielder had he not gotten hurt up until this point, and Tyler O'Neill would be starting every day if he isn't if he isn't on the IL. And if you move Dylan Carlson this offseason, you're going to be selling low. If you move O'Neill or non-tender him, you're going to be selling low. But my guess is that on opening day of the 2024 baseball season, the Cardinals will have Lars Newtbar in left, Tommy Edmond in center, and their right fielder will be Jordan Walker. I really don't think that they're going to have Edmond at second with Wynn at short. I think there's a stronger likelihood of them having Gorman or Carl uh, Donovan at second base. So my guess is, is that you don't have O'Neill and Carlson on the roster to start next season, even if you're selling low. I don't think you'll have them, and I think Alec Burleson will be your fourth outfielder. And maybe that's what you need to do, right? You need to go ahead and move on from things instead of continuing mm-hmm. to hold on, especially with this Tyler O'Neill situation. It has been really tough to see this play out because I think that he is a great player and valuable when he is available. As we're talking about, availability matters so much, and it's interesting because he even changed you're talking about the rigors of you know the offseason the preparation to make sure you can play an entire season he talked about training his offseason approach in order for him to be able to play a full season and how that was the focus of his training and he was injured more than it seems like he's ever been or out at least more than he's ever been so you have Dylan Carlson and then you have Tyler O'Neill with those injuries over and over again. I think it's just it's it's very painful with Dylan Carlson because of the cold dead hands, mm-hmm. yep. that comment that he was supposed to be your center fielder of the future, and then you've seen this drop off. I know injuries have come into play, but even when he came back from injury this season, he they didn't start him right away. Remember, they still put Tommy Edmond out there as their starting center fielder. I think that says a lot about how they saw him. And I wonder First of all, with two guys to sell low, do you sell two outfielders at pennies on the dollar during the offseason when you know that one of the guy was a top five one of the guys was a top five most valuable player uh, candidate in 2021, just two years ago, and then the other guy was a cold hands, dead hands guy, and everybody in the world knows, every other baseball team knows, hey, these are talented players that I can get cheap. If you're the Cardinals. With your history, with Rosarena and Garcia, do you roll the dice on trading two outfielders that have that sort of ability and hope that they just don't stay healthy? I, I don't. I mean, what else can you do? Because if they're on your roster and they're unable to play, you know, significant amount of time, you're essentially not having them anyway. So it would make sense to get what you can get in return. I think we were all surprised that Tyler O'Neill wasn't traded at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And then we saw him perform after the trade deadline and we're like, oh, well, this is why. And either you're going to go forward and he's your starting left fielder or you're going to go forward and you're going to trade him in the offseason. But you need him to be at his right. belt, best, completely healthy at all, at all times. And the other fly in the ointment, the other monkey in the wrench is that Victor Scott, who's got an OPS of 763 and 74 stolen bases in uh the minor leagues this year is going to be your opening day center fielder in 2025. Mike Gersh as much as said that with BK and Ferrario a few weeks ago. So at some point you're going to have to move these guys. I guess the question for the Cardinals is 
do you want to give one of these guys, because the guys I mentioned are going to be there. It's going to be Newt Barr, Edmund, uh, Walker, Burleson. So do you keep either Carlson or O'Neill to be your fifth outfielder for 2024? I say no. I say that you have to go ahead and move on. It's going to be painful because maybe the value that you see in these guys, you're not going to hear the same thing from other organizations. I mean, Dylan Carlson, not too long ago, was it 2021? He finished third in National League Rookie of the Year voting, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was too long ago that we're separated from that. And you can't predict how things don't work out. And I'm sure Dylan Carlson He will probably go on and do great things for another organization. But sometimes that's more of a change change of scenery. Look at Lane Thomas and his progression. I know that people talk about that, like that's another name that is painful to see move on. But if you looked at his numbers before he was moved, it was was like he needed a change of scenery, maybe even getting away from some of the pressures of an organization like the Cardinals. I think he had like 111 for the Cardinals. I know. And so (laughs) now he looks fantastic, but sometimes it just doesn't work out for your organization. So I hope that the Cardinals don't let that paralyze them, having those guys who have moved on, like a Randy Rosarina, like a Lane Thomas, because sometimes you can't predict. You're not going to win every single battle, but I think it's worse to hold on to things when you had this logjam of the competition in the outfield this this season, and look at how that worked out. Think about and you this, can't though. have that happen again. Right, but if we would have been having a conversation about Tyler O'Neill. And Dylan Carlson on January first oh of twenty two. Yeah. Okay, a year and a half ago, Carlson had just finished third in Rookie of the Year. Uh, O'Neill had just finished eighth in uh, MVP voting and won a Gold Glove. We would have thought, okay, we're we're set for the yeah. next five years in the outfield. Yeah. Now here we are, a year and a half later, and we're talking about selling them for pennies on the dollar. It's health, amazing. Health is the most important thing. I yeah. mean, if you can't get out on the field, then you aren't providing what what's needed to yep. be pr- provided for your for your team, and so. When you're looking at those two guys, again, they have all of the talent. One of the fears is Dylan Carlson is going to go and be very, very good, a very, very good baseball player. And we've seen the ability of Tyler O'Neill. But again, if those guys can't do it every single day, then what good are, t- are they to you on your roster? Exactly. That's Kerry. That's Brooke. And coming up, coming up at the end of this month, the... Bomberito Automotive Group 500. And yesterday, Brooke and I had a chance to sit down with the four-time champ of this great St. Louis event, Joseph Newgarten. And we'll hear that interview next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging beds. Baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The Bomberito Automotive Group 500 is coming up August 26th and 27th at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Already the seventh Bomberito Automotive Group 500. And we get a chance to visit with Joseph Newgarden, four-time winner of the race, and Chuck Wallace from Bomberito. And Chuck, uh, first with you, man, seven years has flown by. Yeah, it's hard to believe we've been doing it seven years. It seems like it seems like a long time ago, but it's not. It's Here we are in, in year number seven, and, you know, we're really getting the hang of it. And you, not only do you have the hang of it, but you've made an impact on the St. Louis sports calendar because now it's something that everybody knows about and everybody looks forward to. Yeah, it's pretty neat. This year, for the first time, it's going to be NBC broadcast. It's no longer going to be NBC, NBC Sports. So they said we're going to pick up about 2 million viewers. And uh, Joseph Newgarden, you look at the, the list of winners, and uh, there's Joseph Newgarden four different times. Why have you been able to succeed at uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway so much? Well, it's a good question. I like everywhere we go, though. You know, this has been a great track for us. It's a short oval. Uh, it's kind of like a mini Indy 500, if you will. Not very far away. We're only four four hours kind of, um, uh, what are we, southwest. So, you know, it, it's a great hub for us, a great track, really fun to drive, takes a ton of commitment. And a track that requires that where you've got to commit to not only the driving, um, you know, and feel confident in the car, but the way you make moves. I think we excel at those type of tracks. So that's probably why it's in our wheelhouse. And you, you talk about being a, a mini uh, Indy 500. Well, you won the Maxi Indy 500. That's a pretty cool thing. Have you achieved, and here you are, you're a young man. Have you kind of achieved your racing dreams already in terms of winning races? I try not to think of it that way. You know, it, it, I think you could rest on it and say, hey, we've got a couple championships. We won the Indy 500. Like, you know, we're all set. We're all good. Um, it's the same thing when you win the 500 during the year. A lot of people rest on it and they say it's a good year regardless. And it's just the, not the mentality that I like to to operate in. Um, I'm always trying to, to to move forward and figure out, you know, what what is the next one? What's the next challenge? What's the next on the list? And and for us, it's this race coming up. You know, coming back to Worldwide Technology Raceway. Uh, you know, we're excited to try and win another one. You've got that mark on your back. You win four here, and and people. They just assume you're going to show up and be good. And, and so I try and not get complacent in the sport. I don't want to assume we're going to show up and we should be good somewhere. Um, it's really the places where we've not had success that keep me up. And I say, okay, how are we going to turn this around? Um, but I'm still trying to stay vigilant around a, around a pace like this that we feel like we're so good at. For both of you guys, the fan experience is always something that sticks out to me. And it seems like you guys always elevate every single year. What can fans expect when they come out to the Bomberito Automotive Group 500? Well, first, it's a very uh, family-friendly situation. And Curtis, Francois, on the track have done a great job. They've opened up a, a new fan zone, an area where you, almost everybody can go. You don't have to be a, have a sweet ticket or anything, but uh, it's like a fan walk. You can get up close and personal with the drivers. Unlike so many other sports, stick and ball, those guys go through a tunnel, okay? 
They go on the field. You might see them. You might not see them. But you can get up close and personal with Joseph and owners and drivers and, you know, be right there and right there in the mix with the kids. And Joseph, just for you, having been here, just that fan experience, do you actually notice the fans? And what is that like for you, having that one-on-one interactions with them? No, it's a great point. It really is what I think separates our our sport, particularly in motorsports. You know, even if you look at other forms of it, I don't think there's, you know, anywhere near the access that you get um, that you're going to see in IndyCar. You know, for us, it's it's front and center with the fans. I mean, they are they can literally walk up. You know, see the way the crews are operating, you know, see what we're doing right before we get into the car, et cetera. So it's very inclusive. Um, you know, it's tough for us sometimes. I, I got to be honest, you know, you're an athlete out there just trying to, you know, I'm focused in on the race and what I'm going to be doing. But I do love that, you know, as a fan, if you if you enjoy the sport, you can have that intimate setting with the drivers. So it's a unique dynamic. It's one I'm, I'm pretty used to at this point, um, but you got to thrive in it. Joseph, uh, when do you feel like the car is going fast at what threshold do you think wow we're really moving here it's funny with an indy car you know if you're running 100 miles an hour in an indy car it feels like you're standing still it feels like the thing's not even operating uh, it's crazy you're asking the pace car to, to speed up because you're not moving um so that's just you know just an example 100 miles an hour that's nothing but it does pick up, you know, it, it, it's all dependent on the track, you know, at, at this racetrack, we're going to be doing, you know, upwards of 200 miles per hour and qualifying. Um, and that's pretty quick on, on just over a mile for a racetrack. This is a small track. This is not, you know, some huge speedway. And so to be able to do those speeds with Indy cars is really impressive. And that's why I talk about the commitment that you need at this track. So, you know, once you start creeping up that 200 mile per hour point, it's uh, it definitely it gets your attention. Chuck, what is your favorite part of the weekend? The race, I mean, yeah. you know, finally comes there's so together. much preparation leading up to it. You know, it's 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 everybody's everybody's it's all hands on deck. The track's working hard. We're working hard. Everybody's promoting it. You know, Joseph comes in to help us. Um, but, you know, it, it, it goes so fast. I think that's that's the killer. I mean, once you say start your engines, it's like, you know. It, it's it's something. It's it's a lot of fun. He's talking about the track. What's interesting about this track? It's like an egg shaped track. Right. It's not. All corners aren't different. I'm not a race car driver, but it's got to be different to be going through one and two than three and four. And is it you have to make those changes? Is there ever any difficulty, though, especially when in those short turns? Oh, very much so. You know, it's a great point. It's uh, they're they're different corners on each end. You know, some people think with oval racing that it's really simple and that you're just turning left. And, and it couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, it is incredibly difficult to drive these cars on the limit every single lap. I mean, if you want to be fast and you want to win the race, you have to be on the limit. And not over it, not under it. you got to be right on it. Um, and so you're adjusting every single lap in the race. You know, 3-4 is a lot, lot more open. It's very wide open uh, on the throttle. 1 and 2, you're actually braking a little bit because it's much tighter. Um, so just trying to keep the corner speeds up is really important. And then, like I said, being aggressive at this track is what, pays dividends and so when you're watching as a fan you know it's uh, to me it's exciting to see an indycar race where people have to be aggressive to succeed um so that's what makes this this place pretty exciting we love rivalries and as i look at indycar i see your name in the last few years and will power's name can you categorize what the what the relationship is is there a rivalry between the joseph newgarden team and the will power team yeah, it's tough. I mean, not really. Um, you know, Will's my he's my teammate mm-hmm. and we're that's the tough thing about IndyCar too. You know, you're you're racing against your teammates and it's a different dynamic than let's just say football where, you know, when you're when you're right next to your teammate, you know, you're pulling for each other as best as possible. So I, I have to walk that tightrope with with a person like Will who's literally in my team. 
But at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're working together to try and, you know, get a good result for the team. But once we're on the track for the race, it's kind of all bets are off. It's, it's you know, I want to succeed. He wants to succeed. And so we're teammates until the very end. And then when it's when it's go time and it's for the race, you know, it's it, every man for himself, which is a weird dynamic to, to follow. Yeah. Chuck Wallace from the Bomberito Automotive Group. How much has the association with the race meant to the Bomberito Automotive Group? Oh, it's meant everything. I mean, it was one of the best decisions we've made. Um, we did it because of the love of motorsports, and we wanted to give back to the city, do something nice. And um, we feel good that we helped bring it back, and we feel that uh, the success we've all had with IndyCar helped get helped get NASCAR, helped get some other things here. But no, it's 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 meant a lot to us. I mean, you know, we we've been recognized for it. We appreciate it. It's helped us sell cars all across the country. I mean, the the racing community is just amazing. You know, the very loyal fans, very loyal people, the race teams, the people that own these teams, the drivers, everybody's, they're just so solid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're so easy to get to. They're so easy to talk to. And, you know, it's, 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 it's been wonderful for me personally. You know, I helped bring it. I helped get John into it. Um, I've been going to the Indy 500 since 1978. I've only missed three. I was there for COVID. I was there during the COVID oh. one. And uh, so I, I love it. And then to be associated with it at this level as a, from a kid that dr- was dreaming about it, it's mm-hmm. very, very special. And okay. if you've never been to an IndyCar race, 200 miles an hour between two walls. Mm-hmm. You can't explain it on TV. <laughs> you got to smell it. You got to feel it. And these guys can't touch. You, right. know, you can rub on you can rub on some other sports. You can yeah. you can rub metal, but not here. And you can get tickets at wwtraceway.com. And that brings to me a point, uh, Joseph, because you were here on the ground floor of this race too. What's it been like for you to see this race kind of grow up? I love it. You know, it's for me. It's um, I don't want to say it's a favorite because I, I try not to have favorites. I, I love everywhere we, that we go. I want to succeed at every track, but there's no doubt it's been a very special place for us in IndyCar. I, you know, I think it is a great introduction if you've never seen an IndyCar race. You know, when you're up close and personal and there in person, it, it's just it hits very differently. Um, and if you've never seen it, I think you have to give it a chance. But it, it is for sure one of the top tracks that we get to race at. So I'm excited that we're we're here again. And finally, one thing that I always like to ask drivers. When you get out on a highway, what's it like for you? You mentioned that going 100 miles an hour in an Indy's car, Indy car is not moving. You get out on a highway. Is it easy for you to get to 85, 90 and not even think about it? Or do you really abide by the rules of the road in your regular car? You know, it's more the driving standards that stick out. You know, it's <laughs> it's not even so much, oh, this bit, why can't I go quicker? It's it's more, what is everybody doing out here? Like, how, how did this many people... How did they pass a, a driving test? I just it doesn't compute to me. That's what that's what really gets to me when I'm driving on the road. Well, hey, it's great to meet you. Great to have you here in St. Louis, and uh, congratulations on the win so far and your dominance here at the Bomberito Automotive Group 500. Good luck uh, this time too. Thank you, Joseph Newgarden and Chuck Wallace. Thanks for your partnership and what the Bomberito Automotive Group does for St. Louis. We really do appreciate it. Thank you very much, Joseph Newgarden, driver and four-time champ at the. Bomberito Automotive Group 500, and of course, uh, Chuck Wallace from the Bomberito Automotive Group. Again, the race, the 26th and 27th. Tickets at WWTRaceway.com. More coming up on the opening drive after this on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. Do you like it? 
like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Okay, don't forget you can watch us on the YouTube. Just go to YouTube and go to at 101 ESPN STL. We'd love to have you see us on the old YouTube, on your phone, on your computer, on your giant screen in your office, whatever. If you want to watch us, you can. And you can also text us 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YOHO-4. Take it or leave it here on 101 ESPN. You guys got pens or pencils or something? Or just Uh, mines? Okay, good. Here we go. I mentioned during the uh, FanDuel spot that I, I was looking out for the Jets. Okay, so I want to put you guys to put W's or L's for the first half of the season. All right. Jets, open up Bills at home. Okay? Second game at Dallas. Third game, Patriots at home. Fourth game, Chiefs at home. Fifth game at Denver. Sixth game, Eagles at home. Seventh game at Giants. Eighth game, Chargers at home. Take it or leave it with that first half of the season. Uh, and by the way, they play 17. Don't forget that. But with that first eight games, the char- the uh, Jets are able to make the playoffs. What do you got? What record do you have for the first half? I got five and three. Ooh, okay, good. What about you, Brooke? I think I got one, two. I, I got lost count a little bit, but okay. I think I have four to five wins for them. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But then after that, it's Raiders, Bills again, Dolphins, Falcons, Texans, Dolphins again, Commanders, Browns, and Patriots. I think that they'll probably go after those first eight. They'll probably win, uh, lose only one game down the stretch. So I, I think that's 11 or 12 wins for them. Well, you were kind of picking my brain because I was going to go with the Jets as well with the addition of one Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it that they are now the favorite to win the division. I th- I'm going to take that even with Buffalo still in the division. I'm glad to see teams getting things figured out with running back situations too a little bit. Are you still not he got happy paid with three it? million and a million dollar yeah. signing bonus? Do you think that Dalvin this is just to get them six million to the next cool. side of it? They deserve more. They work too hard. They do eh, fifteen million a year at least. At least, maybe at least. maybe twenty five million a year. Yes, the Patriots with the addition of Zeke, I think is going to be really interesting for their offense. Take it or leave it. He runs for a thousand yards for them. Leave it. Andre Stevenson is a really good running. He's a really good running back. Yeah. Uh, one other thing about uh, the the New York Football Jets and that schedule. If they don't win, I think Aaron Rodgers takes so many arrows from especially the ESPN and national media I, because ESPN thinks that there's only like one person on the roster rather than 53. <laughs> I, I think that he will be ripped by ESPN if they don't start off great. Oh, yeah. Well, because it will give them plenty to talk about, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Plenty to talk about. Did you guys see, too, where they didn't want any involvement with hard knocks? Yeah. Well, tough. Yeah, no, (laughs) no involvement with that. All right. Take it or leave it, guys. We were talking about during the break, all the drama going on with Michael Orr. Did you guys see all that? It was all over social media yesterday. Huge story. Uh, Take it or leave it. That is the ultimate blindsiding ending (laughs) to that story. Take it. Take it. There's layers to this story. There's layers to this story. It's you don't like that rock. No, no, I agree with you. I did not see that coming. No, I, I can't say anybody did. Yeah. I think everybody was blindsided yeah, well, in that situation. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty good. All right.
Take it or leave it. Mizzou signs another five-star football player before the Illini. I don't know why they threw that in there, Carrie. Well, what did we do? <laughs> I'm just they just they, they, <laughs> what, what? I can only they, read they, the text. They, they love us so much. They hate us. I mean, what, what's going on here? Yes, so. Yeah. Well, okay, I, I'm happy for Mizzou. They they got, you know, they, I will take that because again, Mizzou it. has the ability if they sign their players or if they commit to to Mizzou, they got, you know, they can still get paid in high school. So that's an advantage that the uh, University of Missouri has. The texture's coming after the host today. Uh, this is from Janet. Lukewarm Baker needs to take his big swing back to the minors. Oh, Ooh. I was waiting for somebody Whoa. to bring that up. Whoa. Uh, Come on, guys, after, after it didn't the... look great last night. And, yeah. But it's, it was, it, we'll see how it goes. Warm Baker? He looked yes. Luke and warm. Luke yeah. It did That's not look fair. great. It definitely looked like a AAA player. Well, but, it, but, it, but, 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 but. I'm going to give him more of a chance, <laughs> yeah. okay, guys? He... I, I get it. Okay, he's back in the major leagues. Even though the last couple of guys have walked and a, a, a run has been walked home and he swung at the first two pitches. <laughs> but don't you get the, the anxiousness of being in that situation? The, the, he wants to hit a grand slam. He wants to hit a ball 750 yeah. feet. Yeah. Right? He wants to be able to do what he was doing in the minor yeah. leagues. There's just definitely a difference difference here. Yes. Uh, and hopefully, I, I'm going to give him more of a chance. But I did see a lot of the reactions on social media. <laughs> Yeah, last night. Oh, were they coming that. after you? Uh, no, just some people pointing. I, I just saw all the all the stuff about Luke and Baker, but no. I just want to say I wasn't the only one. But. I did not social media Luke and Baker last night. I I kind of felt for the guy because yeah. I can imagine being up there and okay, I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna hit, swinging as hard as you can at ball one. Because then it finally kind of proves something, right? It proves that you deserve to be up in the majors. So yeah. I know that he said in the pregame comments that he's not trying to make this moment too big, but it felt like definitely in that moment last oh, night we saw him, he yeah. made he, it too big. He definitely you have, I mean, I mean, but we see it all the time. I mean, the, the Phillies called up that one guy who was like a career uh, minor league hitter. Mm-hmm. He hits a home run. The Astros have the guy who hadn't hit a home run since 2015. He, hits two. Yeah. Yeah, he hits two in one game. It's like you watch all these moments. You're like, no. I'm one of the guys. This is my yeah. moment. Right. And, totally. and then it's and then it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Just, that's just how it goes. There's Luke, time, guys. But if, if he does wind up hitting like 221 and be a, he's a 15 home run guy, lukewarm is a pretty darn good, good nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Janet, you struck well. Take it or leave it. The Steelers make it to the AFC Championship. Gary. Ooh. Ooh, pick it to pickings. So here's my thing. I think Pittsburgh is going to be really good this year. They are my sleeper team because everyone is looking at the – the Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Burrow. They're looking at the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson, which are very good teams if the Browns figure some things. They, they're the Browns. Don't worry about that. Um, okay. I, AFC Championship feels like a lot, but I do yes. see them making it to the playoffs. I just and With as think, many teams yeah. as they have, because they have a really good defense still. Yeah, Alex Highsmith, J, uh, T.J. Watt, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick. They got, they got some guys on that, on that defensive uh, side. They, they get after Cam Hayward. They they got guys. Thing is, you've got those two teams you mentioned, Cincy and Baltimore. Then you've got the Jets and Buffalo. Then you've got the Chargers and and uh, they don't worry about the Chargers and, and Chiefs. Well, you know, you, they got a lot of players, man. Yeah, they are always hurt. They're like but, the Cardinals. You never know, though. You never know. Yeah. And they've got the quarterback, and they've got a great defense. They're, they're kind of like the, the Jets, except with a younger quarterback. And then you've got an emerging Jacksonville team. There, there's just so much competition yeah. in that conference. I agree. To Gary's point, I mean, and Tennessee High, Highsmith doing that in a season where he didn't have Watt like pulling pressure the entire year is going to be that's, a. Yeah. That's going to be a really good year. That was the most defensively 
by the Pittsburgh yeah, Steelers. Like 14 sacks? I couldn't yes. believe that. Brooke, did, I, did you just hear that? By the he way? said in the Titans. No, I'm just... I'm, she just yeah. she, she turned those, it off. It's a really good AFC Somebody team. got it when the AFC South. Yeah. They, it's always... <laughs> towards the end there, it's like nobody wants to. Yeah. That's that's I, always I, the beauty of it. Man, Fisher would be... He'd be golden there. <laughs> well, no, because he'd probably go 8-9. Uh, yeah. The AFC South post Peyton Manning. It's been fun. Yeah. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals should... <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. Take it or leave it. This is more make-or-break season for the Buffalo Bills than any other team. Mm, interesting. I kind of think so, yeah, because uh, Stephon Diggs is getting older. They don't have a running back. Uh, they're going to get some of these defensive players that are going to land in free agency. And at some point, because of the money that Josh Allen is making, they're going to have to rebuild around him. And it's, as we've seen, that's really hard to do. When the quarterback takes the money, it's really hard to build around him. I'm going to... I'm going to... I'll leave it, but I will say it's a probably maybe a make or break year for Ken Dorsey, even though it's his second year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you lose Brian Dable, who that offense looked extremely powerful when he was calling up calling the offensive plays, and now Ken Dorsey going into his second year. I think the the image that we have of Ken Dorsey is him breaking that iPad yeah. in the in the booth after the yep. game. <laughs> like yeah. that's the the image that keeps popping into my head. More make or break, Ravens this iteration of the Ravens or Bills. Ooh, mm, the Ravens would, have more. I think the Ravens have more time for some reason. For it, it feels like it. I'm going to say the Bills. If you're putting it, so if you're too. putting those two, it just seems like Baltimore. Even though they haven't won with Lamar, yeah. because they've won relatively well, not really recently, but it just feels like they've been yeah. in the hunt, and it, it just feels like this thing uh, in Buffalo because they haven't been to a Super Bowl. It just feels like they've got Cincinnati's been to a Super Bowl. Kansas City's been a roadblock for them. It just feels like they have to get there. Is it because of like the Monk in like new offense? We're finally going to let him call you know his audibles at the line and stuff like that. That we're, we're giving the Ravens more leash because they're finally going to let Lamar with a new contract yeah, play yeah, his own I, way. I think so. Yeah. Uh, take it or leave it. The Jets end up missing the playoffs and end up in third in that division behind Buffalo and Miami. Leave it. Leave Miami's. It. Uh, I I I love Tua, but Tua's not going to be healthy enough to, to play the whole season. And their backup is the uh, uh, Mike White. Isn't it Mike uh, White? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they got Mike From, White. Uh, so, yeah, uh, they aren't finishing second. In, I, I love them, but they aren't finishing second in that division. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Next up. Okay, we we talked about the Mo quote from yesterday. How would you feel? How would you feel? And you can text us, by the way, 314-399-9646, yo Or leave us a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. How would you feel? If heading into the 2024 Major League Baseball season, Miles Michaelis was your number one starter. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke, Carrie, Randy, you can see us on YouTube at 101 ESPN STL on the YouTube channel. You can see us all show. Uh, not anymore. Yeah. On YouTube. Uh, that just ended. That just ended. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I, think that, I think you just caused that to end. 
Yeah, I do. Uh, during our break, yeah, I, I think so. lo- looking right at the camera. Yeah, exactly. Okay, all right, just checking. So, just having a right. nice conversation. Please go to the tube and see uh, Carrie's conversation yeah. with the camera. During uh, our break. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I feel like we're on the real world. Because yeah. typically, for those who don't know it, which you should go look on YouTube, typically we just put up a black screen during the break so that we can have just a wee bit of privacy. Just a little bit. And, and Rocky will just decide to throw it at us where he's going to yeah. put us like basically like on there constantly mm-hmm. so he goes to the camera in the t- like top corner ceiling where you yeah. can just see us. I feel we're like I'm like on it, the real world or we're something. We're going to fade it out a little bit. It's not going to be it's not going to be fully opaque. It's not going to be fully video. We are going to fade it a little bit. Be, we're gonna, the eye so, in the sky is still yeah, going to be like peering down, down on us. I just want people to understand they're still with us during the break. Yeah. They're still watching. here. We're still here. They're still here. Yeah, I got yeah, rock. Yeah. Okay. I don't like it. Guys, uh, major league teams <laughs> still and will continue to use war as their ranking system for major league players. This year, while Miles Michaelis is the Cardinals' number one starter, he is 43rd among Major League starters in war at 2.1, which isn't bad. Figure you have 75 starters in the National League, 75 starters in the American League before injuries, and so you have 150 starters, and so to be 43rd in war, you're in the, in the top third of the group. But that being said, if the Cardinals would make moves where... Miles Michaelis was their number one starter. They could add three starters very easily and still have Michaelis as their number one. How would you feel about that? And you can send us a mic drop, by the way. You can also listen on the app. (laughs) So you can use the mic drop on uh, on the 101 ESPN app where you can send us a text. But when you look at the the top of the list, and some of these guys aren't available, uh, Garrett Cole of the Yankees. Far and away, tops in war for Major League starting pitchers at 4.9. Logan Webb of the Giants, you aren't getting him, 26 years old, at 3.9. Nathan Evaldi, whom Brooke, after he had a good start to the season, decided she had wanted uh, at uh, during last offseason. Oh, yeah, I've always wanted him. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, he, he has 11 <laughs> quality starts of his 19 starts. He's third in war in the Nash, or in the Major Leagues among starters. And then Sonny Gray. Don't forget. Oh, that's your boy. It's not September yet. That is your boy. It's not September, but but he's fourth. And that's kind of scary because the Cardinals are really married to war. And then uh, Blake Snell, who's also a free agent, is fifth. Former Cardinal Zach Gallen is tied for fifth. Shohei Otani is seventh among pitchers. Clayton Kershaw, eighth. Framber Valdez, ninth. Uh, Kyle Bradish of Baltimore, also ninth. And then George Kirby. So my, my question is, could the Cardinals get guys that, according to the war metric, are below Miles Michaelis, people like Lucas Giolito or James Paxton that are going to be free agents, that would make you comfortable with the Cardinals heading into next season with Michaelis as their number one starter? As their number one. Now, I have a follow-up question for you with this question that you have proposed for mm-hmm. us. Yes. So when, it, when you're saying this, is it more of they could also shuffle around the starting rotation after the fact? Because we have seen them shuffle around the starting rotation. Is he going to be the day one starter or your number one starter just because it's opening day, the principle of he's going to be your most tenured starting pitcher? No, it's you know that that guy's your best guy. Like with Garrett Cole, everybody knows. Whoever the Yankees get... He's going to be their best guy. Same thing with Kershaw. Kershaw is still the most talented Dodger pitcher. So it's going into the the season. You know that he's your number one. He's your most talented pitcher. Now, if you just go by numbers, if you're a numbers person, you would say this year that Miles Michaelis, number 43 in starters war, is better than Dylan Cease, who is multiple spots, about 14 spots below uh, Miles Michaelis. Corbin Burns is uh, 
17 spots below Miles Michaelis. If the Cardinals were somehow to magically get Corbin Burns, we'd all know that Corbin Burns was their number one starter. Yes. But I'm just using the war metric here as just a ranking system. But it, it, let me give you three. I'll put Sonny Gray out there. I don't love Sonny Gray, so I'll just presume that everybody doesn't love Sonny Gray. <laughs> <laughs> if you would get Sonny Gray, Lucas Giolito, and Kyle Hendricks as the three starters that you get. Would you be happy with those guys and Miles Michaelis ostensibly being your number one guy? I don't think. Is Miles Michaelis the number one at that point? I think is. Lucas Giolito not I number think one? Michaelis is more productive than Giolito. I think, uh, think Giolito is more talented. Michaelis is more talented. If those uh, are the productive. three that you get, mm-hmm. I think the Cardinals fans, it wouldn't matter who's number one, two, three, or four. I think they would be comfortable with that rotation, going out there every fifth day and, and, and performing well. Okay. Miles Michaelis' best season was way better than Lucas Giolito's best season. So you're all in on Miles Michaelis being your number one no, starter? No, I need to get a Snell. I need to get yes. uh, a, a, a Nola. Uh, I need to get, even if I trade for Dylan Cease, I know what Dylan Cease is capable of. Dylan Cease if the Cardinals have him, he's my number one. I don't. Let's look at it this way. I don't want my best starting pitcher. This is all due respect because I love Miles Michaelis, yes. but I don't want him to be my best starting pitcher in 2024. No, and I hope that because we already got some texts in where people are saying that that would very much be how the Cardinals approach the offseason where Michaelis is your number one and maybe they go get like a two, three guy to fill the rest of the starting rotation. I hope and. Uh, you know, Mosellock didn't clarify in his comments, or I don't know if he did touch on this, if they're going to go get a ace. And that that would be my hope is that they go and do this when they're talking about spending money and being aggressive this offseason, like Mosellock <laughs> said in his comments. I hope that they're going to get a guy who's an ace. I hope they get a one and two guy. And I still see Miles Michaelis as being your number three, four possible guy. But that's where I said earlier that it's the that, conversation yes. <laughs> it's just it's words. We're all high on hopium here. <laughs> until you show me exactly what you mean by we're going to go get three starters. Are, are, are we going to get three, a number one and a couple of other guys? Are we going to mm-hmm. go get three number threes, three number fours? What, what, what does that mean? Right. And text, how comfortable would we be if we signed the Japanese pitcher? Is, is he... Yamamoto, Yamamoto. It's Yamamoto. Uh, as a, a complete unknown as our number one. I wouldn't be comfortable with that. And he's expensive, too, because there is yep. isn't there some other rules, too, when it comes to bringing over specifically Japanese players of not only you're going to have to pay them, but there's an extra fee that right, comes the, the associated fee, with right. that. And yeah. he has been associated with names like the Dodgers, the Mets. I haven't seen any connections with him with the Cardinals. I think that would be great because obviously you've even seen with Miles Michaelis talking about Japanese players. I mean, he he competed in Japan and the Cardinals brought him from Japan. Uh, I know it obviously started here in the U.S., but I, I do think that that would be an interesting fit. I don't know if I see the Cardinals going after him. Not I don't for know. that kind of money. Obviously, yeah. they've, they've done well in the Asian that's market. that's a lot of money. It is. What, what would it take for you all to feel that the Cardinals really gave great effort in the offseason? Because, I, I mean, we've heard, I mean, we had Mo come on and say, you know, we, we did try to go after guys. We just didn't get them in terms of the, the rotation for last season going into this season. What would it take for for you to say, okay, they actually did put forth effort to make something happen. There are two or three guys that are and that aren't Otani that are clear number 1 
for the Cardinals pitchers. Yes. And I think they need to get one of those guys, whether it's through trade or whether it's through free agency. If they put an offer out, but the, the that player, player X, decides to go elsewhere, is that sufficient enough? No, is that that's not enough? The, the Cardinals, I think one of the biggest short-sighted things about the Cardinals is I think they misread last year's pitching market. Pitching is expensive now, and I think that they thought that there would be some guys that would come back to them in free agency price-wise that all of a sudden Evaldi's getting $17 million a year. You knew that Verlander was going to get outrageous money. Maybe Mm -hmm. not $43 million, but you knew it, that he was going to get outrageous money. You know what some of these guys are going to make, but the mid-level guys are making outrageous money now, and the Cardinals have to be prepared to swim in those waters and... I know that free agency has not done well for the Cardinals, and it hasn't done well for free agent pitchers either. But unfortunately for them, it's where they have to go because they don't have a number one on the horizon, either here in St. Louis or in Memphis. And you have to get over the sticker shock. You're talking Mm -hmm. about last offseason. I think that they were very surprised about the prices that people were going for. But here's (laughs) another advantage that the Cardinals have. The Mets have already said what about how they're going to approach this offseason? Yeah, they aren't going after big big time free agents. And then the Dodgers, I assume, are also going to be very tied up with Shohei Otani. I assume they're going to be all in on him. So I think if I'm the Cardinals and you're talking about being aggressive in your approach, this is this is the time to do something different. This is the time to do something that is very uncharacteristic because this was an uncharacteristic season. And with Mosellock's comments yesterday, I know that we're talking about actions and I do want to see the actions, too, because we have to bounce back after a season like this, especially organizationally. And. I hope it seems like they are very frustrated with how this went and that they will be aggressive this offseason. And by the way, if you're interested in this in the offseason and you're listening to us, or you probably are, take a look at the numbers of Julio Urias of the Dodgers over the last five years, who was also a free agent. Yes. He's he's had some injury issues this year, but man, he has been good for five years now. Paulo mentioned him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. He's he's a stud and he's, he's a guy that can pitch in September and October. Uh, Urias is another guy that the Cardinals should have significant interest in. I want to get to a couple of texts here. Number one, I love this. Michaelis being the number one starter for 2024 will cause the season to feel like a cross-country trip in an electric vehicle, (laughs) sitting on edge and hoping (laughs) I make it because I don't know where the next charging station is and may wind up stranded. Yeah! (laughs) If you don't know about that feeling, it is Is a... Is it just shock and panic and fear? fear. (laughs) It is fear. (laughs) I told you I was driving back from Memphis and it was cold outside. I had the heat on and didn't realize that the battery was running down faster than it should have. I was a had to turn that heat off for about 45 minutes. It was freezing in there. <laughs> so then, so then you're we cold and shivering oh, and just looking for any sign of... <laughs> it is a nerve-wracking feeling, yes. Yeah. Would you be okay if the Cardinals go out and only get one starting pitcher if it's the top guy and they get three solid arms for the pen? Pen honestly concerns me more than starting pitching. No, because the Cardinals need innings. If you get a number one guy, then all of a sudden you've got Michaelis, you've got Mats, maybe Libertor, Thompson. I'm not comfortable with that starting rotation. So I need to get multiple veteran starting pitchers and uh one other one randy why did they get away from developing pitchers they really the cardinals have not done a great job of developing pitchers for a long long time the last stud i would say they developed was matt morris Uh, and then you've had a a litany of guys that have gotten hurt whether it was alan bennis or alan watson or donovan osborne or you you traded bud smith but he didn't get healthy jimenez ibar and then you look uh, what if the Cardinals, for the last five years, would have had a one-two of Flaherty and Alex Reyes being what everybody in baseball expected them to oh be? Oh, my God. That would have been 
perfect. And I'm sure that's exactly what they that were hoping. The that was the plan. I don't think just the Cardinals. I think sports in general have gotten away from development. People assume that these guys just, they don't want to work as much as they used to. It's, mm-hmm. it's tedious work to prepare people to be a, a collegiate athlete or to be a professional athlete. It's hard as hell. And oftentimes coaches and at every level want guys to come in ready-made and ready to do their job without teaching them how to do it. Yep. And it's a dice roll. And because of that, that's why if I'm the Cardinals, if if I don't know if I would do it, but if they wind up with a trade where they can get a legit starter and they have to include Gordon Graceffo in it, because of what's happened by my experience with Flaherty and with uh, – with uh, Reyes. Reyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if Graceffo goes and becomes Alcantara, but I get a number one pitcher in return for next year, I'm going to be okay with that. I'm actually okay with the Alcantara because the Cardinals were doing what they should have been doing at that point. But some people don't like the fact that Alcantara turned good. They would have been fine if Alcantara would have turned into Alex Reyes, but he didn't. Uh, coming up next year on 101 ESPN, we've got a bird watch. That's coming your way. And then at the bottom of the hour, we've got a fight. Do you need a fighter today, Matthew? Uh, yes, because you won yesterday. Okay, so, so we do need we, a fighter we today. Fight friendly today. reminder. I did, I did listen to that. You did win. Yeah. Friendly so, reminder. Yeah, so we can uh, get your text in. 314-399-9646. Yo, Yo ho. ho! Your name and the word fight for the fight at the bottom of the hour. But next up, Birdwatch on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. Cardinals won last night, so it's time for a Bird Watch here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carrie, and Randy. <whistles> Brooke, what do you got? Oh, my bird watch is going to be Jojo Romero, or as you like to call him, Randy, Ho-Ho Romero. (laughs) Jojo Romero has really made... Yo-Yo? Or Yo-Yo? No, it's Ho-Ho. Like, Jesus. Jesus is Ho. He's Yo-Yo. Well, we had Jairo... What was it? Jairo Munoz? Mm. So, I think I'm going to stick with (laughs) Ho-Ho. Okay. Jesus, J, right? Yeah. Ho-Ho. I'm going to go with Jojo. Yeah, it can't be be Jojo, though, because as we know, our pool has taught us pronounce it like a j it has to be a y because it's jotty so like it can't be it can't be it can't be jojo well i'm gonna say jojo anyways (laughs) jojo romero has (laughs) (laughs) we're we're not we need somebody else to chime in with this because we're not doing great yeah polo will probably text polo if you're listening please text in and help us we need help uh obviously did not do well in our spanish classes but anyways jojo romero has really just made the most of the opportunity he's been given and it kind of makes you wonder too if he was getting you know, shoved a little bit away just because of the position and he was in with Jordan Higgs and how well he was doing and Ryan Helsley. Once again, you don't like to see Helsley injured, but this has created an opportunity for Jojo Romero and he looks fantastic. Obviously, we saw what he did last night, but over six appearances this month, Romero has given up three runs, seven hits and just one walk while striking out 12. He's getting more and more of those late inning looks. And guys, I like it. He looks fantastic. I think that that is a huge bright side when you're looking at the bullpen moving forward for the next season. Oh, yeah. he's He is. He's he a is. guy that can fit. Now, I cautioned people a month ago, and I will caution you, don't believe everything you see. But does he fit in the bullpen? Absolutely. Do I want him as my closer? Eh, probably not. But he, he definitely has earned a spot with the eye test with his stuff to be in the Cardinal bullpen. 
Yeah, I think he's done a really good job. And I like his passion that he plays with. He's He brings a lot of energy. Yeah. He's excited on the mound. Red Bull, man. I, I, I love it. I need guys like that. My bird watch is going to be Dakota Hudson. We've talked about this starting rotation uh, over and over and over again. You got Steven Matz going out now with an injury, which leaves a, another spot possibly mm-hmm. open. And so I think the, the, thing that, the thing that came to my mind was Dakota Hudson could potentially be in this starting rotation going into next year. And the reason being is they keep they continue to give him opportunities to pitch, to start. And so if that wasn't the mindset, if you didn't think that he had the potential to do it, why wouldn't you bring up a, a Graceffo or McGreevy? Why wouldn't you get those guys, uh, you know, into the flow of, of what's going on every day if you had no plans on using Dakota Hudson as a starting pitcher going into next year? So – it is going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be that fifth spot, Libertor, Dakota Hudson, uh, Zach Thompson, figuring out which one of those three is going to take that role. Maybe you'll get to see Graceffo here in September because we don't know what's going to go on with Wayno. Does he does he perform well going down the stretch? It's opportunities there, but I think Dakota Hudson has earned the right to continue to go out there. He's going to start today. We'll see how well he performs. His last outing, he threw five innings. The, inning, the outing before that, he threw seven. Threw seven. And so, for me, he's 3-0. and He's done pretty good. I, I think he's going to be a guy that gets that opportunity. Can he take hold of it and, and, and keep it once he gets it? Hey. This is easy. Yes, he can. What, what just, is, just don't uh, don't consume. Don't here's the rules. Ollie, I know you're listening. Ollie, get tossed in the first inning tonight. <laughs> don't watch the game. Just you, at the end of the game, Dakota Hudson is going to give you a representative performance, and more times than not, give you an opportunity to win the game. But that's and, all you need, right? Like but you, you, the thing is, he walks guys and he goes deep in counts, and you're going whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, so if you like that cool but if you're you're like if you want every inning to be pristine it's not going to look like that but at the end of the night you're going to say oh gave us a chance to win if you just yeah if you just if you don't watch the game you just look at the final numbers at the end typically then you'll be like oh that was that must have been a decent game to watch yeah Yeah. maybe seven or eight hits a walk or two or three or four had had runners in scoring position a couple of times but got out of it he's a pitch maker maker. he's just showing you what he's got yeah uh, guys, we are supposed to be really enjoying this month. Cardinals took on the last place Rockies. They took on the the last place Royals. They're <sighs> taking on the last place A's. They're going to take on the nearly last place Mets. They're going to take on the last place Pirates. This was supposed to be such a cool stretch where we were <laughs> pulling away. And, and I hate it. They lose two out of three, obviously, against uh, Colorado. A bummer. And then they split with the Royals. A bummer. Hopefully they'll be able to sweep Oakland and handle the Mets over the weekend and, and get some W's. But this was supposed to be, as as far as I was concerned, you played 500 until you got to August, and then August is when you you started to pull away. Well, how mm-hmm. unfortunate that the bullpen, because of being overworked and the starting pitching causing them to be overworked and the defense and all the injuries, how unfortunate the Cardinals weren't be able just to sit at 500 at the beginning of this month because if they were there at the beginning of this month, they could have really made a move. But... It ain't going to happen. Wasn't Giovanni Gallegos' uh, blown save, it was like the 25th for the Cardinals? That was in the his season? Sixth. I know, but night. I'm saying oh, like as a team. for the as a team. I think they're over 30. They're not that high. No, they haven't hit hey, 30 I, yet. I think it's bad. It's been bad. Like, it's been bad. Like, it's been bad. Yeah, Gallegos was 25. It was number 25. 25 in the season? Yeah. Yikes. Oh. He's had a couple. <laughs> he's, he's had a few. If you, if you win half of those... <laughs> 
mm-hmm. if you don't, if you, if you, how many, so, have, how many have how, they lost? How, but here's the thing: I how mean, could they have it. known this was going to be an issue? It's not like Mike Claiborne came on here the second week of the season and was like, "Hey, you might really do your bullpen dirty if you keep having to use them like this." Yeah, well, who could have seen that coming? Yeah. Yeah, it just all just all came together. I'm curious for people who are still fully watching the games. Of course, we're watching all in here because we love we love to. But it, I'm, I'm curious what everybody. Line? Yes, but I'm curious what <laughs> what, what is keeping other people watching. So text into us because I just want to know. I just want to know. Is it Walker? Is it Dakota Hudson? So is it 25 loan saves. So if you win 12, if you go 12 and 13 in, in those games. Uh, if you win 12, you've got 65 wins, which is exactly what first place Milwaukee has right now. That's fun. If you go- I, don't, I don't like math because of things like that, Randy. Yeah. When you bring up moments like that, it's painful. Yeah. You'd be tied with Milwaukee for first in the division. What do I know? <laughs> and the schedule is not quite daunting at the moment. So, yeah, there, there's you our bird an watch for you. to run away with it right mm-hmm. now, huh? Yep. There's your bird watch here on 101 ESPN. Ollie. <laughs> Get thrown out in the first inning tonight, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll win the game. Oh, just don't go get you a, and, a man, and, and, a man soda. Man soda, yeah. Just sit back. And watch, watch, <laughs> man soda. Yeah, just watch something else. It's too. Watch, go back and watch FBI on Channel Four. Oh God! Right? Is it Tuesday? It I is have right. No it's idea. Tuesday. Yeah, just go back and watch FBI on Channel Four. And then when you when you go into the press conference room, say, just look at the sheet and say, yeah, Dakota gave us his his performance and that was, was a good win. <laughs> I wonder what they do when they get thrown out. Do they? I, I wouldn't. I would just. I think they could watch you on TV. Yeah. Chill. Unless you're Bobby Valentine. And then, then you, you sneak back into the dugout. Yeah. 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 Right. That's amazing. <laughs> How many of them are like, in, like down the tunnel, like signaling to like the coach? Like, I bet. Oh, yeah. They probably can't like, get 100%. away. You think Tony LaRusso might have done that? <laughs> can't get away. Yeah. No. No doubt. Coming up next, uh, we've got a fighter here on 101 ESPN 4, as you might guess, The Fight, which is pretty. Interesting idea there, huh? That is crazy. We, we are, this is logic class. We're going to change the name, this, though. This, I'm, I'm putting in a petition okay. to change the name. Okay, what is it, what's it going to be? The Bludgeon. No, don't let him beat up on me like that. <laughs> that, that no, don't me. worry that about no. you. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about them. <laughs> you, can, you just imagine signing up for a slaughter. Just come on. Come on down. Well, we've, we've already got... down for the slaughter. We've already got somebody who is more than willing to fight, uh, and you will. It, it doesn't hurt. It's rooting gonna, for you, the you, underdog, you, Randy. You have a chance any given t- Tuesday. Any, <laughs> any, any given Tuesday. You never know. You might be the one. Uh, uh, the fight's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And Rock, you are a man amongst men. Look at you. You work, 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 work. He's work. everywhere. 
He does the phone lines. He gets us back on air in time. Well, the he funny thing is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing a lot of things at once because I was I didn't do it when I was supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying it was to be impressive great. because you don't have it to was tell very impressive. That. Yeah, I, I like to see the. I like we don't to pull have the, the cameras curtains. on all I like the time. To pull the curtains right? aside. Right? I'm not Wizard of Oz on this yeah. one. We don't we don't have the cameras on all the time, Rock. Right. We, we, no, we, we turned we, them off. We apparently, they're not right? turning the camera on during the break. I was looking at someone's soul. Okay, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm angry. I'm just intrigued. You know, yeah. Gabe is our fighter today. Sure. Gabe, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Carrie. How are you guys? Doing wonderful. Hey. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker? Let's do this. I've tried it a long time ago. Let's try it again. All right, here we go. On this day in 2020, three Cardinals made their debuts: Max Schrock, Dylan Carlson, and which currently injured Cardinals pitcher? Is it Ryan Helsley? Packy Naughton or Jake Woodford? I'm going to say Ryan Helsley. Who is the only coach in professional football history to lead teams to lead teams for 40 seasons? Is it Tom Landry, Curly Lambeau, or George Hallis? I'm going to say Lambeau. When the Cardinals ripped off 17 straight in 2021, only one pitcher picked up more than two wins across the street with four. Who was it? <laughs> was it Alex Reyes, J.A. Happ, or T.J. McFarland? I am going to go with Happ. Ellie De La Cruz reached 10 home runs and 15 stolen bases in the first 58 games of his career. The only player to debut since 1900 and get there faster was which young pirate? Andrew McCutcheon, Roberto Clemente, or Barry Bonds? Ooh, Barry Bonds. All right, we'll double-check our score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Gabe, how you feeling? You know, honestly, the first three were a couple of guesses, and then the last one, I just saw that stat the other day. I, I'm pretty sure it was Barry Bonds. Okay. Oh, nice. Very good. Glad you knew, knew that one for sure. Randy Carricker out. is coming in with his Pepsi, Dr. Pepper oh, Zero. Sir. There you go. I haven't had that one. Uh, zero sugar. Dr. Pepper. Doc, diet Dr. Pepper is the best Ooh. Dr. Pepper that tastes, you know, yeah. the best diet yes. soda that tastes most like the, the regular soda. I'm it, assuming that the zero. This is just like it, Dr. Yeah. Pepper yep. cherry Dr. Pepper. Yep. So I have uh, my golf tournament to benefit ECHEveryChildsHope.org coming up on September 19th. And my friends at Dr. Pepper Curie always provide the drinks. Very and nice. uh, they, they know how much I love their product and I love them Aww. and so I, uh, I, I'm i glad that they participate and by the way if you want to participate just go to everychildshope.org and you can participate in the tournament too we've got some openings nice. at Old Hickory on September 19th. Nice. Randy are you ready to take on Gabe? Say hello to Gabe. Hi Gabe good morning how are you doing? I'm doing well Terry uh, and thank you Randy for fighting me today I, I wish you the best of luck man. Well best of luck to you as well thank you. <laughs> are you ready sir? I'm ready. All right. On this day in 2023, Cardinals made their de- debuts. Max Schrock, Dylan Carlson, and which currently injured Cardinals pitcher? Okay, so you've got uh, Schrock, Carlson, and this was 20... 2020. 2020. Um, I'm guessing it wasn't Raul Ramirez because he's not on the team right now. So this would have been a pandemic pitcher that is on the IL at the moment. Um let me just go through some numbers here. Um, hmm. Okay, I don't think it's Helsley. It's clearly not Matt's. For 53 is Palante's healthy. 52, Libertor is not hurt. 
150. Carrie, just give him a lifeline. Oh, <laughs> Ryan wow. Hillsley. People will complain. People will <laughs> Randy, complain. You don't, don't worry wanna... about these people. Oh, okay. Do yeah. your thing. No, but okay. I already gave you, you one. Gave one. All right. Ryan Hillsley, no. Packy Naughton, Jake Woodford. I'll go with Woody. I think Hellsley was. Uh, Randy, you take before. as much time as you need, oh, sir. You, when CD. you take time, it makes the fight better. But the, for for me, for sure. The the whiners, they, they get me worked up. Randy, we don't worry about the whiners. We worry about winners. Oh, okay. <laughs> winners, not whiners. Winners there over whiners. Okay. That's a good motto. <laughs> Who is the only coach in professional football history to lead teams for 40 seasons? It's got to be George Hallis. I... I Paul Brown is right there, but I think 37, 47, 57, 67. Paul Brown was not coaching it by 1977. So I am going to go with the founder of the National Football League. Former Yankee preceded George uh, Herman Ruth in the outfield for the Yankees, George Hallis. Hmm. That George Herman Ruth, a.k.a. Babe. Oh, the Babe. Oh, yeah. Know that. Yeah. yeah. Which Cardinals... When the Cardinals ripped off 17 straight in 2021, only one pitcher picked up more than two wins across that streak with four. Who was it? Four wins in 17 games in 2021. Um, I'm guessing that this was a relief pitcher. And uh, I will go, well, let's see, 17. Yeah, it had to be a relief pitcher because nobody starter would have had to have, like, would have only had three starts over the course of the 17 or 18 days, three or four starts. So in that bullpen, Hixie was hurt. Um, let's see. Uh, again, I will just uh, go through numbers. Uh, let's see. 23, uh, 24, 25, um, 48, 47, 46, 45. 40, we didn't have a 45, 44, 40. Um, hmm. Are you going about the the roster, the numbers? Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I realized that you the first your earlier question. I was like, are you kidding me right now? He's um, when you started the, at fifty three, I'm thinking fifty three man roster. I went oh, to no. football automatically. Yeah. 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 I don't know why, but doing that with a football roster, like going by number by number, seems so much more sensible okay. than a probably baseball to me. I right. am going to go off the board here with T.J. McFarland, just because he had that game in Chicago with the wild double play. I'm going with T.J. McFarland. 62, by the way. I didn't get to that number. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number four. Ellie De La Cruz reached 10 home runs and 15 stolen bases in the first 58 games of his career. The only player to debut since 1900 and get there faster was which young pirate? Uh, 15 homers and... What was it? 15 homers. What was the stat again? 10 home runs, 15, 10 home runs, 15 bases. stolen bases. The only one to get there faster. Um, well, I am going to go with Barry Bonds. Final answer. Thank you. Does Randy roll through two different question askers? With two wins, or am I going to be on the hot? Am I gonna, or am I going to be on the hot uh, hot seat after Randy wins with Bradford and then loses with me? This is I'm nervous right now, Carrie. Excuse me, I'm nervous right now. Wait a minute, what did you? Two different questions. Yeah, okay. Questioners, askers, givers, makers. Either way, if Randy loses this one, 
I'm feeling nervous. Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Gabe, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm relieved hey. with, with that one. But you did lose to Randy in this one, three to one. Ah, uh, gum. All right. No biggie, no biggie there, man. I love it. Absolutely love it. Thank Gabe, you. thank you very yeah, much for playing. There was such a celebration yesterday when you won, and I was like, okay, this this could go poorly for me if, oh, I, no, if, he, if he wins celebration. tomorrow. Didn't we have a celebration because didn't was, was there smack talk yesterday? <laughs> yeah, Alex was, uh, yeah. He, he talked a little yeah. bit. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. So we're I'm, I'm glad you were able to back it up again. Three one win for Randy. Let's go through those answers on this day in 2020. Three Cardinals made their debuts. It was Max Schrock, Dylan Carlson, and then Jake Woodford came in in a relief appearance. Who is the only coach in professional football history to lead teams for 40 seasons? It is in fact George Hallis. Number two is Curly Lambeau. Then uh, Lambeau. Then, Tom Landry is actually fourth on the list. I'm blanking on number three right now. It wasn't when, Paul Brown? Paul Brown is fifth on the list behind okay. Tom Landry. Uh, when the Cardinals ripped off 17 straight in 2021, only one pitcher picked up more than two wins across the streak. Picking up wins number one, four, eight, and 13 in that streak was Alex Reyes. Oh, nice. Yes. Wow, T.J. McFarlane did get a win in that streak, though, yeah. and he was one of the options. Uh, and then Ellie De La Cruz reached 10 home runs and 15 stolen bases in the first 58 games of his career. The only player to debut since 1900 and get there faster was, in fact, Barry Bonds. So a 3-1 win for Randy Carricker in the fight today. Again, Gabe, thank you so much for joining the show and joining the fight today. Yeah, thank you, guys. You guys are the best. Have a good day. Thank you, Gabe. We really appreciate you listening. Good and job, thanks Randy. For, for playing. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate job, it, Randy. George we Hallis. don't tell you that enough. Oh, George You do it so much. We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't give you your praise enough. Good job. Thank you, brother. <laughs> George Howells played for the Yankees before Babe Ruth. Yes, he did. That I was intriguing. No idea. I never knew that either. Yeah. yeah. That's a little fun little I think he was the right fielder, right? Thing to add. Let's just, uh, here we go, baseball reference. Uh, George Howells. Uh, also, when I think of Alex Reyes in the 2021 Cardinals, I just think about that ending and the chaos that yeah. ensued afterwards. Yeah. Yep. No, you uh, don't want to think about that? That was a that was painful, Rock. Uh, Nineteen nineteen, uh, he uh, George Hallis played twelve games, twenty two plate appearances, and uh, hit oh ninety one. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, what happened after that in nineteen nineteen? Well, you know, Babe Ruth. That that happens. <laughs> Coming up next, there is a group of fans that the Cardinals are close to right now that you can relate to. We'll tell you why next on one hundred one ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guys, the Oakland Athletics are in town, and they're the Oakland Athletics for the moment. And their owner, John Lewis, who is, ironically, the richest owner in Major League Baseball, has decided to disassemble the baseball team and not really negotiate with the city in the hopes of moving to another town. Does this sound familiar? (laughs) That a rich owner would disassemble a team and try to get it to lose so that they could leave for greater economic benefit? Yes, it does. I can really empathize with A's fans because we went through the same thing as Rams fans. And now, as it turns out, the city of Oakland did make an effort, although the A's denied it. The city of Oakland did make an effort to try to 
keep the A's around, and they were kind of staved off. They were kept at arm's length, the city was, by the A's. It's the exact same thing, the exact same M.O. that the Rams used to leave St. Louis. And I really, I I feel for A's fans because they've shown up in representative numbers when their team has been reasonably competitive. It's a great historic town, actually a much more historic baseball town than St. Louis is a football town. But the exact same thing that happened to us in the middle of the last decade with the NFL is happening right now to Oakland baseball fans. And I just absolutely hate it. I think it's such a terrible look. And sometimes the perception is, too, where it's like, oh, well, people aren't showing up to games. They haven't been showing up to games in years. Well, what is the part, the product that they've been putting on the field? And what were they purposely doing to make it be something that you wouldn't want to go and te- attend? And that feels very similar to what happened with the St. Louis Rams, of where they try to control that national perspective, where it's like, well, look, nobody's going to the game. They don't even appreciate it. Well, what were you doing purposely to make sure yeah. that people weren't coming to the game and not giving them something that they were willing to spend their hard-earned money on. I think you got to feel bad for the city of Oakland as a whole. I mean, you you lost the Raiders. You lost Golden State mm-hmm. Warriors who went across the bridge to, to San Francisco. That's where their new arena is. And now you got the athletics about to leave town. The, the city of Oakland, I mean, when's the last time a, a city has lost three major sport franchises in, in I guess, a span of, of what, three to five years? Yeah, nobody's ever that's, done that. That's so unfortunate and, and really unfair for that that organiza- for that city. And this organization, the Athletics, have – I mean, this was one of my favorite teams growing up. Me too. It, it, you got Ricky Henderson, who was one of my favorite players to watch as a young man. Dave Stewart, who we talked about earlier. They had a lot of guys that, I, I, that resonated with me as a young man playing baseball, watching baseball as a young kid. So – I think it's disheartening. It's unfortunate for the city of Oakland, for those Oakland Athletic fans. And again, you you lose three franchises in in that span. That's gotta that's gotta really sting. Yeah, and we we've also seen too how sports can really reinvigorate an area and really help bring in more revenue. And somebody already texted in. Sorry, Randy, you're wrong. I'm from the Bay Area. Oakland is a dump. Crime is horrible in that town. You are wrong. Well. That doesn't mean you should, you don't deserve a team. That doesn't mean that your team should leave just because crime is bad. It's not like crime isn't bad in the city of St. Louis. But there are a lot of t- cities with crime that still and fan bases that still deserve to have a team. And just because there's crime in the area, that doesn't because that means we wouldn't have sports. If sports were based on the level of crime in an area, Baltimore wouldn't have teams. Cincinnati wouldn't have teams. St. Louis wouldn't have teams. San Francisco wouldn't have teams. L.A. wouldn't have teams. New York wouldn't have teams. Chicago wouldn't have teams. If if you're going to say that the cities that have crime don't deserve sports teams, then uh, you're, you're completely wrong. And if you look at, and I say this with Carrie in the room, but uh, let, let me find an, another city for you. Uh, you know, Kansas City used to have a real bad crime situation. And they've turned things around. And it's not that crime is completely gone, but now they're talking about building a downtown stadium in Kansas City because mm-hmm. they're willing to go back there. Uh, I was going to say Cleveland. Cleveland mm-hmm. has kind of reinvented itself. And mm-hmm. they've done a really good job. And Cleveland's a, a fun city to go to. And those cities all deserve sports franchises. Oakland deserves yeah. sports franchises. And nobody, no fan base deserves to have their franchise ripped away. And and when you look at 
the 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 fabric of what Oakland was when you I never played in in the Oakland Coliseum or, or was see, was able to see the black hole but you know what that meant I I was able to go to a Warriors game in Oracle and that mm-hmm. feeling is much different than the feeling in Chase Arena it just it feels newer it feels nicer but it doesn't feel like Oakland it doesn't feel like what that city represents and so now you got the Oakland Athletics again obviously they need stadium upgrades and have been needing them but it it's unfortunate that this team is about to leave that this city that this organization is leaving and this city is losing three major sports franchises in that time in that quick in that much uh time and Brooke two quick things number one John Fisher their owner as I mentioned he could have Afford to invest heavily in a stadium, and there's a spot there that the, the A's have talked about, but they just don't want to invest heavily in, in in building a stadium there. And the other thing is, for for you, Carrie, it was Ricky and Jose Canseco and McGuire yeah. and Stewart and Welsh and Eckersley and those guys. For me, as a kid. It was Reggie Jackson and Sal Bando and Catfish Hunter and Vita Blue. Right. I mean, we all have our iterations of great Oakland A's teams, and that entire history is just going to be wiped yeah. away. And by the way, just something else to follow, because this is news that came out this weekend, is that the Brewers possibly also losing. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be tough. So this could possibly be the third time that Milwaukee has lost two Major League Baseball teams. Of course, we know in 1902, the Brewers moved to St. Louis, and then you had the Braves relocation. <laughs> And what was that, 1960-something, yeah, 66? Uh, I think it was later, maybe 68, 69. Okay, yeah. I, I, but either way. Oh, yeah, the Braves were there in the 50s, early 60s. They left, yeah, you're right, in, in, in 66. And then the yeah. Brewers came three years later. Yeah, Seattle's 16, uh, Seattle Pilots for 69, and then I, or 67, and they get here in like 68. Yeah. I just think that that would be such a huge loss for Milwaukee. We're talking about getting things stripped away from you. I, I think it's crazy because it's more, it seems about like the – redoing the stadium and I've been there I didn't think that it was anything egregious or that it I feel like it was recently updated it's a, it's about owners and and money it's all yeah. it always boils down to money and you talked about it Randy when when the Rams left and there was an owner that said he would pay for the entire stadium, that meant that cities shouldn't have to pay or put in or put forth money towards stadiums. But owners understand, hey, you're either going to pay for this stadium, you're going to uh, assist with this stadium, or we'll find somewhere else to play. We'll find another city. So you really put the cities and, and the people in those cities at a, at a in a difficult position because they don't want their organizations to leave. They don't want their franchise to leave. Again, they imagine growing up in Oakland and being able to see all of those teams for 162 games every year. That right. is a difference than you or I just watching them from afar. So it's unfortunate that, that fans are the ones getting, I guess, the short end of the stick on this one because totally. they are the ones that, that pay their money to watch. They're the ones that spend their time and their energy and their fandom, you know, supersedes most things, and they're the ones getting really getting screwed in this in this whole thing. So if you're at the ballpark tonight or tomorrow and you see some A's fans empathize with them, say, we, we've been there and uh, we're, we're – Rooting for you. Hopefully a miracle will happen. Instead of punch a Reds fan, it's hug a A's fan. Hug an A's hug fan. An A's there right. we go. And it was Red Wings Red fan. Wings. Oh, I never Red had Wings anything. Yes. I, I well, had well, nothing well, against Brandon, Reds fans. Brandon um, well, 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 Phillips. I like Brandon, Brandon Phillips. Phillips. <laughs> Until he tapped Yachty's shin guard. Yeah, right. And, 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 he got a little yeah, fight. But he was... The hell was he thinking? He was... Brandon Phillips was... Yeah, right. What was... Did you not see the neck tats? Hello? But Brandon Phillips is the kind of guy that you love having on your side. I see that. Yeah. 
He just was on the other side. And he I, was on the I other side. I didn't agree with him. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. That's Kerry. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And this is 101 ESPN. Coming up, our Rush Hour Reset. Claves will join us, by the way, at 915 here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. It is 9.04 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with, with uh, Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. How the Jets do, are the Jets? I'm looking at, I'm reading Jets. How the Steelers do <laughs> yeah. in the first preseason game? They won 27-17. All right. Yeah, Mason Steelers. Rudolph Mason, appearance, as you talked about. Uh, 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 Calvin Austin. <laughs> Let's talk about him. I thought that was He's a little a bit of a cheap shot yesterday, Kerry. Uh, I mean, uh, no, a cheap shot was what Miles Garrett did to him. Mm. Uh, he... <laughs> he... Calvin Austin is a burner. Okay. And I, I, I hope, I hope that Matt Canada throws the ball down the middle, throws the ball deeper, doesn't just throw, you know, intermediate yeah. routes to uh, Deontay Johnson. George Pickens is a man amongst men. Okay, Kenny Carrie. Pickett, Kenny Two Gloves. Does, and we'll get to the Cardinals in a moment, but does Kenny Pickett have a strong enough arm to throw deep to a burner? I think so. Okay. I, you know what? So it's not always. Sometimes it's about releasing the ball early enough to get it mm-hmm. out there. You don't have to be a because some of those guys that are are eighty yard deep threat throwers don't don't necessarily always have the accuracy or mm-hmm. hell don't have a guy that can get that damn deep. So right. I think Kenny Pickett's arm is strong enough to get it to where it needs to get to. George Pickens, you throw it in his vicinity, he's going to go catch the football. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued to see what they do with um, Najee Harris. Are they gonna how they try to run him this year? I hate the lateral runs. I you you're six foot whatever, two hundred plus pounds, two hundred twenty plus pounds. Get me going north and south. Let my shoulders stay square, and I will Bingo. be able to make jump cuts and move and and do whatever I need to do going this way. There's a fullback talking. Yes, sir. Yeah. By the way, uh, over the weekend, I was uh, listening to Sirius XM, and uh, they started playing Renegade, and I thought of you and turned it up super loud. Oh, that is a uh, that that song. That whew, let me tell you, Get you, you going, gotta huh? you you gotta <laughs> witness that in real time in Pittsburgh. Third quarter, defense is on the field. Need a stop. Mm-hmm. It just it just it really hits different. We want to go there in December when they yeah. play the New England Patriots. Cardinals won last night seven five over the Oakland Athletics. Cardinals. Took the lead on a Paul Goldschmidt homer in the fifth inning. It, they were up 3-2, fell behind. Uh, I, I'm not even going to mention the pitcher's name. They fell behind 5-3. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, got oh. close. Nameless. Of yeah, and that nameless pitcher allowed the lead to get away. Uh, Newt took a bases-loaded walk, and the nutty neuters of Newt Nation went crazy. Yes, as the Cardinals got within a run. And then, with the bases loaded, Jordan Walker with this. In the right center. That ball is driven deep, and it is down. It's to the wall. One run scores. Two score. The bases are cleared. Into third base is Jordan Walker. The Cardinals take the lead 7-5. Tom Ackerman, the call on Bally Sports last night. The Cardinals got six and a third good innings out of Miles Michaelis. 
that guy came in and pitched two thirds of an inning and allowed a bunch of runners. <laughs> to, you know, say his name. And then uh, Chris Vonderhaak came on with two thirds of an inning, and then Joe jo Romero or Ojo oh. Romero. Yo 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 yo. I, I, I suggest we just call him Yoho Romero. And I did in see somebody say Yoho. You just call him Yoho. You should just call him Yoho Romero. That makes sense. Good. <laughs> uh, he goes an inning and a third, two strikeouts, and. Uh, Yoho got the win. Cardinals beat the A7-5. Tonight, the Cardinals will send Dakota Hudson to the mound. He'll be opposed by T-B-D for O-A-K. That's just... dangerous. Mm-hmm. Well, because, yeah, then you don't know what to expect. Mm. No. Do you think there's a, uh, a level of frustration for Miles Michaelis when you go out and perform... Mm-hmm. And then your your bullpen doesn't doesn't quite they just they don't show up. Yeah, I get, yeah, yeah. I think so. Hey, that's the that's yeah. their job. Yeah. Keep the door closed. Don't, don't, if it, even if it's cracked, you gotta close it. Yeah, and we'll talk to Claims about this because I was listening on the radio last night and they were talking about how okay the game is here, the game is now. This is why guy, I, I, boy, this is why this guy's in the game. <laughs> why won't you say his name? Yeah, get a save. <laughs> get a hold. Something. Oh, by the way, the Cardinals with that victory now are uh, tied for fourth in the division, and uh, here come the Cardinals. Oh, no, 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 no. When's the last time we played that? Uh, the Cardinals are coming? Yeah, it's, been it's, a, it's been a minute. It has it been, has a, been while. a minute. Yeah. Before the All-Star break? I think I don't think so. we played it after the All-Star uh, break. We definitely didn't play it after. Well, no, I think we did play it after they said they were selling, but not since they sold. No, <laughs> no, no, no. That has not happened. Well, we did have some people text in yesterday that the season is not done. But you guys were talking about Miles Michaelis. I, did you hear what Ollie said last night? Because I thought it was a good question by Derek Gould just asking if it was deja vu with mm-hmm. how things went with the Rays and Miles Michaelis. And uh, Derek asked Ollie about it, and this is what he had to say. Yeah, more pitches, not as sharp. Um, I told you before, I, in Tampa, I, I wish I would have left him in there just to see what would have happened. I, I felt like Gio, that's his spot to come in there and, and do his job. Um you're over 100 pitches. He's starting to get tired. I'll tell you the same. Uh, that's Geo's spot to come in and, and shut it down. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to. The guys picked him up, though. Yeah, the exact same reflection that we had after the game in Tampa. And, mm-hmm. and we were first guesses, right? Why are you taking him out after 80 pitches? And he, I'm sure, slept on it and heard people talking about it and reflected and said, yeah, I wish I would have done it differently. That takes a big manager to... Say, yeah, yeah. I, w- I wish I would have done it differently. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And you learn from your mistakes. He's still a young manager. He's still second year, still learning things, figuring things out, um, learning when to trust his guys. His guys have to be, I, I believe, his guys have to be more vocal at times. And, and in that situation, Miles Michaelis should have told him, hey, man, get the hell away from me. With all due respect. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I, I have <laughs> an immense amount of respect for you, Ali. Go the hell away. And you know what? I agree with that, but Miles Michaelis is such a team player. He is. That I, my understanding yeah. is he came back in the dugout and said, thanks, I didn't want to face Diaz again. When we all know he wanted to face Diaz again. No. And I, that, yeah, and that's great that Miles is that way because he is a team player, and that's that's what he does. You've seen him kind of just take that approach where he's not going to throw anybody really under the bus. You mm-hmm. saw that Wilson Contreras situation, how he was sticking up for him, and even with those comments where – in his postgame comments after that, he was fine with getting taken out of the game. He said he understood it. He wasn't angry or upset. He's just very chill about it and yeah. just as a team first guy. Cardinals and uh, the uh, 
A's again tonight, and you'll see that game on Bally Sports. That is your Rush Hour Reset. Coming up, our friend Mike Claiborne from ClavesOnline.com and the Cardinal Broadcast. He and Rick Horton are working together on the Cardinal Broadcast for this series. Claves joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. To Mike Claiborne, always good to listen to Mike Claiborne on the Cardinal broadcast as they take on the athletics this week at the ballpark. And when we have Mike Claiborne on Tuesdays, it's one of my favorite segments of the week. And he's with us now on the Celebrity Line. Claves, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well, especially after last night's game. Yeah, I was a little concerned. Yeah, that one could have gotten away. And I, w- I was telling the guys I was listening to you and uh, and Ricky in the seventh. And <laughs> well, what did, what did you start talking about? You started talking. Oh, you started talking about Mark McGuire wearing number twenty five to distract yourself from what was going on on the field. <laughs> yeah, I mean things weren't going in the right direction, and so I looked down and they got they have a guy wearing twenty five, and I thought McGuire was was you know. So I just want to start talking about that because I was afraid of what was about to happen. Okay? <laughs> and uh, then it did. Because, you know, Oakland's only won 33 games this year, all right? And I think sometimes they, they probably have won when teams have taken their eye off the ball. You know, they have some good players, but they just don't have enough developed players. And, you know, those are the teams that scare you, man. I mean, so in the way we've been playing, you know, we, we, we play well against good competition. It's the teams like Oakland that we have a problem with. And, that was a little bit of a concern. So, fortunately, they had a guy wearing McGuire's old number, and that, that got me through the inning. <laughs> That's, <great. laughs> That's a great approach. Claves, I want you to ask about John Moselock talking to media members yesterday, obviously about Stephen Matz, but also on the offseason needs. And, of course, pitching is something that he spoke about over and over again. But he said something specifically about adding three starters this offseason. How do you interpret that? Do you see that as three starters like shopping or via trade outside the organization or maybe some inside? What do you think that he means by that? Well, I think that he's, it's going to be a combination of evaluating what's in your organization, um, moving some assets in order to acquire an established pitcher, and there's going to be a free agent pitcher out there that they may kick the tires on. Um, you know, the, the free agent market isn't as plentiful as one might think. You know, I know people say, well, what about Nola? You know, Nola's a guy who's a workhorse. You know, he gives you 200 innings, but you have to wonder how much are you going to pay him for what he's done or what he can do? And I think that's where teams get themselves jammed up, where they spend money on a guy who had a really good run with another team. And then when you get your hands on him, maybe he's not as good as he used to be. And I I always look at a guy like Chris Sale, you know, who everybody thought was the flavor of the month. And they went out, Boston went out and spent a small fortune on him. And it just hasn't worked out And because he's had a lot of injuries. So I I think you have to be careful. And you probably want to have too much pitching, in my opinion, if there is such a thing. Uh, The Cardinals went into this season – thinking they had enough, but it was all internal. And I think you have to make sure you bring in some people from outside the organization because the the dynamics of pitching is changing where we used to be a pitch-to-contact team. You know, just hit it on the ground. You know, we have plenty of guys that that can catch it. Well, swing and miss is back, and you you might want to have two or three of those guys around who can get you a strikeout or get them to hit it on the ground to a good defender. Clay, we were talking about Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson earlier, and it, it seems like when one is healthy, one is injured, the other one is healthy, the other one is injured, or they're both injured. What do you see their future as being for, for the St. Louis Cardinals in 2024? 
Well, that's a good question. I I think they're going to listen. I think teams will listen to uh, will make offers. Uh, I don't know how much stock they have at this point because, as you mentioned, they've been injured a lot. Uh, I think they're both really good players. Uh, the question is, can they help you be better? Or better yet, can they help somebody else be better? And if they can, what's the cost going to be for you to be able to get somebody from another organization? So, you know, the, the question is, you have to ask yourself the question, can they stay healthy enough for us to win? That's the first question. Second question is, what is their role? Are they everyday players? Are they fourth outfielders? You know, what are the expectations when you write down what their number should be for, for a whole season? Klaibs, last year the Cardinals drafted Victor Scott II. He, this year in minor league baseball between A and AA Springfield, is hitting 295, 763 OPS, but 74 stolen bases. So, 1985, we had Vince Coleman come up and set the world on fire. 2025, is that a guy you're hearing about for the Cardinals to come up and set the world on fire? Well, I think he's a guy that probably trends toward the, where the game is going. Uh, you know, when a guy steals that many bases, the first thing you say, well, can he get on base enough in order to do that? You know, I always think about Billy Hamilton, mm-hmm. who was a very good base dealer, but Billy Hamilton couldn't steal first, and hence the reason he he wasn't as effective as you would have thought he was going to be. But, yeah, I think you have to look at him. I mean, he, you, you drafted him. You didn't draft him to make sure the Pittsburgh Pirates were going to play him. I think you have to draft him in thinking that he could be part of your future. You know, this this game, the way we play it now, is a young man's game. And if you bring the, the skill set to what we've seen initially, and that, and that could change, you know, as he ascends through the organization. But on the surface, it looks like he may have some, some, some added value that the Cardinals don't have on a regular basis. And Klaib's one of the things I love. Just I've never seen him play. But he's got uh, this year a 295 batting average, but a 367 on base. He's walked 37 times this year uh, with both Peoria and Springfield. So th- he's getting on base without the benefit of a hit, which is something a lot of those speedsters like Vince or like Billy Hamilton haven't had the ability to do. Yeah, that's a good point, Randy. Um, we-, we saw him a little bit in spring training. He he, he got in some games and. You know, he's a little, he's a slight guy. He's not a big guy. Uh, so you have to wonder will he physically develop as he grows through the organization. But, you know, for the fact that he's willing to take a walk and get on, uh, I think that's a plus plus for him because, you know, obviously if he can steal bases. And it'll be interesting to see what sort of tutelage he gets once he solidifies himself in double A. Uh, you know, I don't know who the Cardinals base running coach is or, you know, a guy who can go in and say, hey, look, these are the things you ought to be paying attention to when it comes to stealing bases. Because for all we know, he's just may- maybe just as a raw base dealer with not- without the technology that comes with it. You know, one of the things about Lou Brock and Vince Coleman, they, they created base stealing and turned it into a science. Yep. Uh, I mean, they really had this thing calculated to a point where I remember Willie McGee saying his first spring training with the Cardinals, because as you remember, they picked him up in 82, uh, he said Lou Brock came out to the spring training with a clipboard and a tape measure and a stopwatch. Hmm. And Willie thought he was going to an algebra class at that point. <laughs> you know, nobody comes out and talks about, you know, the, the scientific element of how to steal bases. And Vince Coleman was the same way. You know, if you ever talk base stealing with Vince Coleman, I, I guarantee you, you will walk away saying, wow, I just thought it was all about, you know, trying to get from first to second. So you, you have to hope that somewhere within the organization there's a developmental coach that can give him the tools to make his game even more effective. 
That's a really cool story. Just wanted to go back to pitching real quick. Uh, specifically, excuse me, with the bullpen. As we saw last night, Giovanni Gallegos coming in, that was not an ideal situation for him, but Jojo Romero being a bright spot that we were talking about earlier in the show, how do you think the Cardinals will address the bullpen going into next season? Oh, I I think there's some openings out there. Um, You know, I I don't say this is a lockdown bullpen because of all the blown saves that we've seen this year. I think there's at least three to four spots open out there for next year. Um, you know, last night, and we've seen this before, where Ali, Gallegos is normally your closer. But I felt, and I'm sure Ali did too, the game was really on the line in the seventh inning. You know, it goes back to being a fireman. You know, what we used to see with Al Roboski, Randy, where Al would come in in the seventh inning with two out and get that guy and then come back and finish out the game. Mm-hmm. I think we're trending in that direction again where don't think – you can't use your best relief pitcher always in the ninth inning. Sometimes he's going to have to put out the fire, and sometimes he's going to have to get a four-out save or maybe a five-out save But because all games are not decided in the ninth inning. Um, seventh inning, eighth inning, you, you better have some other people who can do that. Fortunately, the one-two combination of JoJo Romero and Giovanni Gallegos has worked. If Gio hasn't been as good as I know he'd like to be over the last couple of outings, but when he's right, he's a pretty effective pitcher. Clay, Clay, Dakota Hudson getting the start tonight, and we were talking earlier about, you know, this fifth starter going into 2024. I think it's between him, Libertor, and Zach Thompson. Uh, do you think that he's still in their plans? Because if he wasn't, wouldn't they be bringing up a Graceffo or McGreevy to get those guys some, some opportunities late down the season? Well, I think one of the reasons why you probably don't see them is because there's no spot for them on a the 40-man roster. That means you'd have to move with some other people. And, and, you know, that could happen. I mean, we're seeing some teams designate some guys on the big league roster to create room for a 40-man spot. But I think that has a lot to do with it also and why we haven't seen those guys as much uh, because of the 40-man roster situation and and making sure you have a spot for them. Uh, Overall, I I think that Dakota Hudson is going to be in the conversation. You know, I, I think he's certainly accounted for himself reasonably well since he's been back with the team. Uh, he was not effective at the beginning of the year in spring training, and he went down to the minors and honed his skill, and I think he's given them a, a very good accounting of what he's capable of doing. Clabes, uh, I've taken the approach with Dakota Hudson, and I love the results, <laughs> but I tell people, consume him without watching him. Just look at the box score at the end of the game because it's a roller coaster ride. If you're going to watch him, he's a pitch maker. He's going to allow some walks. He's going to allow some hits. There's going to be people on base, and he's going to make pitches. But if you don't want to be nervous and you just want to end the day with a, a, a performance where you have a chance to win, watch it. Well, take it in that way. Yeah, you know, that's a good way to look at it, Randy. <laughs> you know, one of the things about the resurgence of Hudson – uh, Libertor, Matt, they, they're not walking anybody. Mm-hmm. And that was the bugaboo for all three of them. They they, they have uh, command problems, but so far their last few outings, if you look at their walk total, has been way down compared to what we've seen in the past. And I was saying to Ollie the other day, it's amazing how much fun the game is for a pitcher when he throws strikes, and we're seeing that a lot more. And uh, hopefully these guys can build on it for two reasons either to be part of this rotation for next year or be in a deal to go out and get somebody better. You always want to window dress your guys and give them the positive exposure. So if another team wants to kick the tires on, they have enough of a sample size to say this guy can help us. 
Absolutely. Clayton, what's they're going all on? Not, they're all not going to be back next year. You're right about that. No doubt. I, I think any, if anybody thinks everybody's going to be back next year, you, you're sadly mistaken. They're going to be, there's going to be some movement within this roster. Yeah. Uh, Clayton, what do you got going on at Clayton's Online? Well, today uh, we're going to have lunch with Clayton and Joe. We normally do it on Monday, but something came up yesterday, so we'll have that today. Uh, Dr. Rick Lehman and his podcast with Rammer is coming up as well. Uh, Thursday, we'll have a walk in the fairway with Nick Ragone and talk about the uh, the world of golf. And uh, the Ascension Charity Golf Classic is just around the corner. And uh, next week, we premiere Huddle Up with Howard Richards, and we'll be talking some NFL. And uh, we'll have to try and strong-arm Kerry Davis to be part of that podcast as well down the road because I know it, it, it's his time of the year as well. <laughs> so we've got a few things going on, and uh, – you know, we're just having some fun, man, just trying to give people enough content where we you can push a button and, and find a sport that you like. So that that's what we have coming up. That's beautiful. And, Mike, one other thing with the A's in town, and Kerry and I were talking about it. Kerry grew up watching the, the Bash Brothers in that edition of the A's. You and I grew up with the dynasty in the early 70s and, and obviously enjoyed the late 80s, early 90s. How sad it is that that franchise is at the point that it is right now, and it doesn't have to be. Yeah, you know what, Randy, you're right. Um, I, I think the, the A's were trendsetters in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, they were one of the first teams you heard that had some clubhouse issues where guys were fighting in the clubhouse. You didn't hear that in the past. Uh, they were the first guys that wore their hair long and had the well-fashioned mustaches. They were the first team to wear white shoes, and everybody was wearing conventional black shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the uniforms themselves were, were different, a different color than anyone else. And then you move on to the Bash Brother era. I mean, we've never seen two guys mash like that. Now we learn later in life there was a reason why. <laughs> uh, but, you know, overall, you know, they, they were they were Tex bad boys as far as baseball was concerned for a lot of different reasons. And to see them fall on hard times as they have is just unfortunate. And, and I hope if they elect to move, and it certainly appears that they are, that they can carry some tradition to Las Vegas and, and rejuvenate that organization. Maybe an ownership change wouldn't hurt either because the current ownership group has done very little to really help this ball club compete. Uh, well, I think their payroll is like $57 million. I mean, come on, that, that's, that's embarrassing, you know, with regard to how teams, you know, you have players in the NBA that make more than that in right. a season. Yeah, that's amazing. So, you know, so I, I hope that they can turn it around because the game always needs healthy franchises. Uh, we don't need doormats, and, and the A's have become the league's doormat. You know, they're on course to lose 117 games. That's un, that's unheard of. As I said last night, that's the one team photograph you do not want to be on. Hey, I was see me. I was on the one. I was on that team. 117 <laughs> losses. You don't want to be in that team photograph. I'm sure when they took the team photo, like every team does after the trade deadline. If that was me. I probably would have come up with the flu that day, or yeah. I think maybe COVID, COVID may be on the horizon, so you don't want me around for that photograph. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Claves, as always, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. We'll see you later. All right. Hey, Brooke, congratulations uh, for the Emmy nomination. I meant to say that earlier. Aww, really yeah. Thank you, Claves. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll have some hardware somewhere down the road.
Yeah, definitely down the road because the competition is very, very intense yeah. <laughs> for this right. year's you know we'll go out celebrate the nomination. We'll go out and celebrate the nomination. Carrie, pick up the tag. There we go. <laughs> there we go. I like that idea. <laughs> thank you, Clabes. All right. Thanks, Mike. You guys have a great week. Take care. All you right. Too. Thank you, Michael. Coming up, we're going to get some of your reaction to our question earlier. How would you feel about the Cardinals going into 2024 with Miles Michaelis as their best pitcher taking nothing away from miles who's excellent but how would you feel about the perception of him being your best guy going into next year that's next on 101 espn you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers one two three four on the opening drive 101 espn brooke carrie and randy and you how would you feel about Miles Michaelis being thought of as your best pitcher heading into next season. And remember, we all thought at the beginning of this year that Jack Flaherty would bounce back and be at least something close to what he had been in 2019 or 2021. And we had, I think most of us, I was impressed by what Jordan Montgomery had delivered for the Cardinals. So I thought Michaelis would be in that group. I looked at Michaelis as maybe a number three. Now, has... He earned number one status? Probably not. Even though we like him as our number one, he's 43rd in war among major league starting pitchers. You probably want something above that if you're going to be a championship-type team. So what would you think of that? Derek has a mic drop for us here on 101 ESPN. There's no reason Miles Michaelis should be your number one starter. It's time for Mosaic to spend a little money, go out, get some free agents. I know times are tough. But we can't be getting great value brand anymore. Time to get some name brand stuff. You got to get Snell. You got to get Nola. You got to have one of them to be comfortable going into next year. It's it's starting to be a joke. You don't want to spend money. You're always coming up second to these guys in free agency. Oh, we could have had them, but nah, we didn't want to spend that much. Well, it's time to buck up. Otherwise, there's going to be no mo mo in St. Louis. Oh, he had a lot of lines. The great value. I love that one. I'm going to steal that one because that was amazing. The no mo mo. No No mo mo. I love that. Hmm. Great. Now, I will say that I think it's incumbent upon the Cardinals not just to spend a lot of money, but to spend smartly. Yes, because we saw what happened, right? When you spend a lot of money, it doesn't guarantee wins. Just look at the Padres and the Mets, specifically the Mets. Totally. (laughs) You you have to find that fine line of, of guys that, compliment your team guys that really become a team together not just because you spent a lot of money but those there are good teammates that you don't have to spend a lot of money on but then there are guys you gotta go spend money on Mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter who's on the team they're going to be the best player so you, you have to figure out how to construct your roster with guys that understand their roles whether that be a number two a number three or four or five um and then you got guys that that you can plug and play and they don't need to be everyday players that can be on your bench role players but then you have to spend the money like you did with nolan arenado like you did with uh with paul goldsmith Mm -hmm. those guys have to be paid uh then you find other pieces that you can whether it be bringing young guys up into the fold or whether it's going out and signing those guys and understanding they they understand their role. Let's hear now from friend of the station, Janet, with a mic drop. I can tell you what Mo's going to get. Three low-hanging fruits, and they're going to be just not just adequate pitchers. They're not going to be as good as what we have. When he says he's going to go get three pitchers, I don't trust him to get three good pitchers. He don't have to get three good pitchers. He has to get one 
excellent pitcher that everybody else thinks is excellent, not something that he grabs off of the low-hanging fruit tree. I agree with that. We well done. Yeah. Well Janet, done. Janet, Janet, it's always, we, yeah. that's always the thing. spot on. You, the words, what's said, it, it matters. And so, yeah, you want to go get three three pitchers. You want to go get three starters. But what does that mean? What does that look mm-hmm. like? Is that an ace and then a two and a five? Is that an ace and a two and a three? Or is that three fours? Like, what are those guys? Who are those guys that you have intentions on going to to pick up via free agency or trade? That is the question, and and I think you can oftentimes get away with your comments. Well, I said we were going to go get three pitchers. You didn't say which type of three pitchers. Are you looking for – are you actively trying to spend in free agency on a number one pitcher? Are you actively trying to trade someone on this roster for a number one pitcher? Is that what we're doing or, again – as Janice said, are you hanging? Are you reaching for low hanging fruit? Well, if I can get a Nola or a Snell or an Urias, and then trade for Dylan Cease, if I can get a one and a one A, and I will give up a lot. I will do something that hurts me to still you have get to. Dylan Cease. You have I'll, to. I'll still do it, even though I saw Shane McClanahan. He's going to have Tommy John and probably miss next year, and he's one of the guys I would have taken, and I probably wouldn't take Glass now. Now, but Glass now at this point. But if I can. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, CD. I'm not talking about two number threes. I'm talking no. about two number ones. Are Let's, we? Are we? Is is Logan Gilbert on that list as well? I because I think a trade to the to the Mariners might be. I just feasible. hate the matchup with the Mariners because what the Mariners are going to need is Nolan Gorman. No question. So yeah. is, so are the Chicago White Sox. Right. <laughs> no. So, but I, I look at Cease as a legitimate because of what he's done. Number one, I Gilbert might be. I don't think Gilbert will ever be number one on his own team. I don't think that they'll have him ahead of Castillo or Kirby in say in Seattle. Now, he might emerge to be that guy, but I haven't seen enough of him. Now, will I give up some valuable assets? Would I because they're gonna probably lose Teoscar Hernandez. They're they're still going to need a second baseman slash third baseman, but they're going to need an outfielder too. And they're gonna have Seven potential starting pitchers. They're, they've got a starting pitching depth in Seattle. The Cardinals need for Tyler O'Neill to stay healthy mm-hmm. for the rest of the season because there could be a, a situation where uh, Tyler O'Neill, Brendan Donovan, and maybe one of those pitchers that they covet mm-hmm. in, in the minor leagues could go to somewhere like a Seattle for a yeah. Logan Gilbert if Tyler O'Neill is healthy and playing at an MVP level. And I hope Brendan Donovan will be able to pass a physical by December. Yes, I I think him getting the surgery, going ahead and getting that out of the way, because it was concerning me how long it was taking everybody to get to the point of where he was going to get the surgery. Mm -hmm. Now it seems like he could be in line to be ready by next spring training or at least around that area. And going back to pitchers I want. Julio Urias is a, just a guy that I just keep, now that I'm looking more and more into it, he had a great game the other day, striking out 12, I believe, in like seven innings of work. He's somebody that I could definitely see the Cardinals. 26, card. correct, or 27? Yes. I think he's 26 or 27, but yeah. yes, young. So definitely different than some of the 30-year-olds. Yeah, he saying. would be something to have if uh, if you could acquire Julio Urias. I think the Cardinals got a... Uh little pocket of money they could give us. We can go make some things happen. You and I. Yes. Well, we're we're recruiters. (laughs) Uh, Urias just turned 27 on 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 August 12th. There you go. He's a Leo. Good for him. Celebrate your birthday here. Definitely. Yeah. Happy birthday. (laughs) Coming up, we've got Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
Let's rock. Let's rock today. Okay, we really like this uh, place called the Trolley Track. Oh, my gosh. Uh, just If you have the YouTube on, just look at Brooke right now as she eats her French silk pie. I'm, I'm like in heaven right now. This is insane. Trolley Carrie, Track Cookie Company. Carrie has self-discipline. He only had one bite. Yeah. I don't. So. Yeah. That's, why I, that's why I said I was going to stay out of there because I, once I start, I don't stop. That's my I'm, problem. I just, as long as I don't time. start, I'm okay. I think Brooke just fell in love. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's amazing. Yeah. I'd already had a Belgian waffle. I hate myself right now. <laughs> I love the honesty. It just, yeah. it just feels, it feels <laughs> so good and so bad at the same it's time. It's just a cheat day. No, okay, it's, I did it's, that this weekend it, already. It, it, so weekends are always cheat days, right, Randy? No, I thought weekends were always cheat days. Yeah, yeah, weekends are always cheat days. That doesn't count. <laughs> you know, oh, a weekday so, cheat day. Randy, we gotta, we gotta get past your birthday week. We love you, but your birthday yeah. week is gonna cost us. <laughs> it Jeez, is. Because I, I, I even yesterday, <laughs> kid you not, yesterday, I went and did an intense like Stairmaster workout because I was like, all right, this is it. I'm gonna be good from here on out. <laughs> and then here I am today. Playing for the tie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what do we got for the uh, rock and roll? Well, um, speaking of things that make Brooke happy, she posted this yesterday <laughs> on her Twitter, and I wanted everyone else to hear. On we've, the already, X. we've already heard. I'm not oh, doing. No, X. I'm not calling it that. Nope. Nope. I'm not calling it X. Get it, together. Uh, it was on Twitter, and Brooke retweeted this, and I thought, you know what? We already heard uh, one call one way for Mr. Jordan Walker's first ever triple. But let's hear a fun call the other way. Tres bolas, dos strikes, dos outs, casa llena. El lanzamiento para Walker, batazo elevado, jardín central derecho, la pelota sigue volando, va por ella el jardinero, se le cae el guante, se le cae el guante, viene una, viene dos, viene tres, va para la tercera Walker y los cardenales milagrosamente se van arriba en el marcador aquí en la séptima entrada. Tres carreras, tres carreras de una línea poderosa que salió del bat de Jordan Walker, siete por cinco ahora el marcador. Brooke, let's put a wall up in front of you because... And that's what I and that's what I tweeted out. I tell Polo Asensio, Cardinal Spanish broadcaster, as you just heard there, and we have our Balk About It podcast mm-hmm. where we talk about baseball, obviously. I tell him all the time that when I listen to his calls, I should have paid attention in Spanish class more. But mm-hmm. also, too, <laughs> whatever he's saying, I'm ready to run through a brick wall after hearing that. It's great, isn't it? Yes. It's intense. The yep. energy. I no, feel like no, no, no tres, no as the tres. moments escalating, his voice escalates, too. It's, it's amazing. Great. Yes. That was a great call. It. Of Jordan Walker's bases clearing triple. It always, it's always so much fun. And at this point, I got to ask, when's the next time we get to hear a balk about it? Uh, we got to come up with one soon. I need to text him, actually. All right. Yeah. I'm been enjoy- I've, been, I've been enjoying the new podcast. Yeah. We have a lot of fun on Balk About It. We talk about other things. We try to stay on track as much as possible. But we do have uh, our latest episode on there. And we we, t- we discuss the trade deadline. So Good deal. A lot of interesting like stuff. It. You guys mentioned it earlier, but I just I had to retouch on just the story that had me going crazy yesterday, which was the Michael Orr, Orr story and, and, and everything going on in that one. And the thing that jumped out the most to me that I just I can't get over is the fact that they, you know, they, they never adopted him and they had him sign a conservatorship, which obviously a word that's kind of be kind of a buzzword in, in public lately because of the Britney Spears situation. And just the fact that they had him sign the conservatorship three months after he turned 18, which means he didn't need you know, his own lawyer to make sure. Cause he was obviously at that point, you're, you're not a minor anymore. You can sign those kind of papers on your own. The fact that they had him sign it then. And the fact that everyone on the, everyone, the parents and the two kids 
got a, as a, a, is reported two hundred twenty five thousand dollar payouts from the movie, and he got two hundred fifty thousand. No, I thought it was two hundred twenty five. Two hundred fifty thousand. It was also oh, a percentage too. You're right. You're right. Yeah, two yeah, two twenty five and ten percent. Yes, and and obviously the movie did great in, in home releases, three hundred million in the box office, plus five percent, plus yeah. all those home releases. He apparently got nothing. When this broke, I it just it, it ruined one of the great stories from the last decade yeah. of football. It ruined one of my favorite books when it comes to sports writing, um, the Michael Lewis book that came out obviously before the movie did, and it just it it just it shocked me that it was that blatant that they got him to sign the conservatorship three months after his 18th birthday. Which no. again, that jumps out to me because and that's Michael Orr's side of the story. That's true. Here's what Sean Tui says. He said the whole ordeal went down because the NCAA told him that if Orr wanted to go to Ole Miss and he was a booster at Ole Miss, he'd have to be considered part of the family due to Tui's status as a booster at the school. He said, I sat Michael down and told him, if you're planning to go to Ole Miss or even considering Ole Miss, we think you have to be part of the family. This would do that legally. He continued, we contacted lawyers who had told us that we couldn't adopt over the age of 18. The only thing we could do was have a conservatorship. We were so (laughs) concerned it was on the up and up that we made sure the biological mother came to court. Tui said that he'd, of course, end the conservatorship today if that's what or wanted well if it if it was they couldn't he didn't sign the conservative conservatorship until he was 18 after he was 18 correct correct because he couldn't be adopted after the age of 18 but if he was he was before the age of 18 he could have been adopted so did they wait till he, after he was 18 when they could have adopted yeah, him because before remember, he, was, he 18? was held back for two years in school well he was he was so he he was a 19-year-old college freshman. He was a 24-year-old draftee in the NFL. Uh, he, he, maybe they were on the up and up. But either way, if you are getting paid two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, and, uh, and again, Sean Tui says they that everybody, they including gotten. Michael Tor, Michael Orr, got fourteen thousand dollars each. That's the claim of the other oh, side. Well, you know, probably should got shouldn't got should have gotten more for a movie and a book about your life. Well, and apparently they still do speaking engagements too. Like yeah. I guess mm-hmm. uh, about her, well, her part. Yeah, the, she, Leanne Tui has, yes. fa- has a foundation, I her name. Yeah. and yeah. they've been using um, Michael Orr's name, image, and likeness. This is again, this is part of the lawsuit that they've been using his name, image, and likeness to promote her foundation and get donations for her foundation. And just th- that number too. That he says fourteen thousand each. And then and Michael Orr is is throwing out two hundred twenty five yeah. grand for the two parents and, and the my, two biological my, my kids. My guess is that somebody will have receipts here when when it gets to court. Somebody will have receipts. Yeah, yeah and that's the interesting part here. If you if you delve into the, the topic deeper, because people are wondering what's the timing here. Well, why did this is all so happening long? as he's getting drafted by Ole Miss uh, from Ole Miss? So he says he was just thinking about his NFL career, he started having a lawyer go through these things now that he's retired, and apparently the lawyer uncovered the conservatorship papers in February of this year, hence why we've now seen him file the lawsuit now years later. That's what kind of has been the, the the timing of it and why it took so long. And by the way, which Tui said about the, the book and the movie, he said, we didn't make any money off the movie. Michael Lewis, the blindside book author who sold the rights mm-hmm. for the movie from the book, gave us half of his share. Everybody in the family got an equal share, including Michael. It was about $14,000 each. They only got 14000 from the movie? Like you said, Randy, just receipt. At this point, just at, now the first thing is, okay, is it two hundred twenty-five? Thousand to four different people, or is it fourteen grand to you know five yep. people total? Like so, that's a very big difference. Where's the receipt? And Sean Tui is a highly successful businessman. My guess would be that there's probably receipts there. Well, uh, and, and unfortunately for Michael Orr, he's probably not or wasn't at that point. 
it's it's going to be very interesting how it plays out because I think the question that you see from a lot of people is why did he wait so long? And you kind of address that a little bit, Rocchio. But from what I've heard, because he played for the Titans, I've heard from from a while now that he did never wanted to talk about the movie. Right. So it was something that he did not really want to address. He, he, he didn't he want people to ask. Right? Yes, yeah. yes. It was something. Yeah. So this is something that's obviously been festering under the surface for years. And also, regardless of what happens, what you saw in the movie, everybody is not always reality, no. right? Yeah. Regardless of the situation, the outcome of what's going to come from this, that was just a movie. Yep. This is, It's not always real life. And you know, Titanic guess, wasn't yep. real. Notebook yep. wasn't real. Right. Avatar. And, and, my, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't? I don't know. Maybe. Titanic might have been. <laughs> um, here's the other thing about the, the Aura situation. When Michael Lewis, who wrote Moneyball, comes to you and says, hey, this is a really interesting story. I'd like to write about this. They probably think, oh, let's get this story out there. This is a really good feel-good story rather than, well, yeah, you could write a book about us, but you, you have to pay us. Yeah. Well, I think if you are someone is, I, I, I don't know. I, it needed to be out there. It, it should have been out there. I think, Michael, or if you're writing a story or doing a movie about a human, a person that is still living, you want to be as accurate as possible. And one of the things that Michael Orr, I guess, was bothered by when the movie came out, because they it sort of made him seem like he didn't know anything mm-hmm. about football. Like this was this family, mm, this young, yeah. poor black kid from the from the inner city, from the projects being taken in by this white family that saved his life in, in, in a sense, but also taught him about the game of football that he knew nothing about and was unaware of what he was a huge human being. He, he, he knew and had some understanding of what he was, where he was and what he needed to do. And we don't know and may never know who is at fault for that perception in the movie, whether it is Michael Lewis or people who took literary license when they made a movie or the Tui family. We just, we don't know. It happens all the time. Like Titanic, Jack wasn't oh. real, was he? I, there's yeah. been there's been Rose, things that said Jack, that he wasn't Rose, actually real. Yes. They are real. Which, which reminds real. me, the craziest thing about all this happening yesterday is that the, the biggest thing that was trending that sent you to this story, Sandra Bullock. Yeah. <laughs> that was like that was the name people oh, were throwing out yeah, there. People want to take away her Oscar. Oh, it's like, she, her, did her husband just died. Did you guys see no, that? Her husband that. just died. I, she doesn't have anything to do with this. No. Sandra, Literally, Sandra's yeah. a say. Please woman, don't drag her into this. The woman this. took a role. Her agent call, got a call on. Like, what are, you, what, what are, how are we going to drag her for that? Yeah. yeah, and her and also her husband, her partner just died. Yeah. Like literally this past week or weekend. Yeah. And, mm. oh. People will find the weirdest things being drug into that now. Really, no doubt. Do you think those? People in the submersible should have been told oh, that the Titanic baby. wasn't oh, real. Oh, no, I shouldn't have brought uh, up the Titanic. Uh, I'm going to step out in this one <laughs> and leave that one alone. You're going to get another phone call. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm out of here. All right, so tomorrow we're going to have uh, Wednesdays with Wayne and we'll be joined by college football analyst and former St. Louis Ram, Tyoka Jackson. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, oh, it's good cool. to talk to Ty. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Uh, Brooke, was this fun? Yeah. Oh, good. This I'm, was fun. That's, uh, that, that rose, man. She was ice cold. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never oh, let you go. She was, and she lets him go. Why? She Okay, oh. Jack could have fit on the door. I'm just going to throw that out I, there. We'll I, end on that I, note. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we thank you for two, uh, texting in, tuning in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.